everybody, welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. Welcome to Boytown, we apologize. Uh, I'm Ben Hansen, thank you for being here. I'm joined by one, Jeff Marchiafava. That's me. Joined by two, Jacob Geller. I'm a boy. Three, Leo Vader. Burp fart. And four, Kyle Hilliard. I like to think of myself as a man. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Pod Mitzvah. On this episode of this year podcast, we're talking about Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. There's a bunch of previews out, so we're going to pretend that we're cool, and I all expect you to like have your controller and pretend you're playing it right. as we're talking about other people's previews of this legendary game that's coming out <laughs> soon. Uh, then we're talking about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Have we all been playing Jedi Survivor? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Great. Jeff, I'm had a slow yeah. nod. I'm curious to unpack all that. Uh, Jeff, do you want to talk a little bit without spoiling anything about the Horizon DLC? Sure. Great. Burning Shores coming up. And then a couple of indie games that we're red hot on. And then uh, we're going to be joined by a very special guest to talk about Advance Wars 1 plus 2 equals Reboot Camp. Uh, and if you Rolls know, that's right. If you know <laughs> MinMax history, you might have a good guess for who that guest could be to talk Advance Wars, but look forward to it. And then, of course, back after the show, we have some wonderful questions submitted over there on Patreon from the community. Uh, Leo, how you doing, man? Great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. Anything going on with you, man? Uh, gaming's back. Do you feel that way? <laughs> yeah, I feel like a weird amount of games are coming out just for me this year, and two of two very just for me games are coming up on this show. Yeah, I, I, you know, you're right. It feels like we are now at the turning point where, like, yeah, you might have missed some indie games earlier in the year, Space for the Unbound, Winky Winky, but like, it feels like in the last. That, by the way, Ben. Oh, really? How far? Yeah. Uh, chapter three, I think. Okay, uh, I, that's about where I am as well. Also, I urge everybody to finish that game. I like that game. Real quick. Yeah. Not to totally take us off track. Please. I'm playing it with my child. We're playing it together. She's really enjoying it. Is that an, is that an okay idea? Is it going to like totally <laughs> left field become inappropriate at some point? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. There's, okay, some, okay. there's some dark stuff in there. but Because pineapple on pizza, I almost played with her as well. And I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> is that, she would have been fine. She's, no, she would have been okay. But. Okay. Um... But oh, but anyways, yeah, I, I encourage everybody for Space for the Unbound. Like, I like that game. I thought it was really cool. Honestly, I was pretty confused about some story beats here and there. And then, like, I'm so glad I finished that. I think it, it ends super strong. Um, but uh, yeah, there's this game called uh, Cassette Beast that came out this week. Has anybody seen this? Seen this? Heard mm. about this? It's like it's a Pokemon clone from Raw Fury, and I say Pokemon clone with all the respect I can muster. Um, but then reviews started coming out, and they're all like 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10. It's like, wait a minute. Okay, this is something else entirely, so i got to check out that for the future as well. But um, but the big game, out of the indie pool, into the AAA frying pan, uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is coming out, Kyle, in less than two weeks? I, I, it's intimidating in a weird right. way. Well, it's like a little scary. A little bit over two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd say so. So there is a big uh, preview embargo that just lifted where a bunch of outlets got to go play like a couple hours of Tears of the Kingdom. Nobody in this panel got to check it out, but we got to consume other people's previews and live vicariously through them. And Kyle, I know you're uh, fully employed by Game Informer over there, but Brian Shea got to go check it out? Yeah, uh, I mean, we, him and I agreed that he would handle most of the the pre-release stuff and then I would handle post-release stuff. It's kind of... How we're sort of swinging it with Zelda. God, I don't know. What am I doing? Cool. I'm like dancing on screen. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's fun, man. You can do whatever you want. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, so did you all, uh, Jacob Geller? What's your, what's your go-to preview resource for 
Tears of the Kingdom, which was the first thing you hit up. I like Polygon. Uh, yeah. You know, in, in general, I like their writers. I liked uh, Mike Mahardy's headline was uh, it's a playground for goblins. Uh, which, yeah. uh, I like describing not Bo Goblins, but himself as a goblin who is playing the game. Oh, that's interesting. That's confusing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to sum up everybody's previews, it seemed to be the takeaway was like, look, we knew this is going to be physics playground sandbox, but geez, this is physics playground sandbox. This thing is more bonkers than we even imagined. Um, and it seemed like from all the previews, like no story beats, no story details, just, hey, here's an area. And it was a lot of people in like the video previews that I watched, was a lot of people just describing, you know, the PR rep from Nintendo or the Treehouse rep from Nintendo just being like, yeah, you're on this Sky Island, get to the other Sky Island, go. I want to see how you do it. And then everybody just had mm. wildly different strategies all over the place. Like, I'm not... Fully diving in and reading everybody's, but I did talk to Brian Shea yeah. a lot about it, um, and he was telling me about it's so silly. But this has been a lot of like my, my tears of the kingdom feedback as we learn more and more about the game is like little things that I'm like, oh wow, that is really interesting, and it didn't occur to me that I wasn't doing that in Breath of the Wild. But he talked about like stemming a flow of like water, right? Like to there was like a like a little like a little waterfall, and he like put. A, a wall in the way to stop the water from flowing to make it easier to climb up this like one area and stuff uh, like that. Okay. And it was just this, it's, it's like little things like that where it's like, Oh wow. So you can like manipulate water flow using different abilities and stuff. Like it's those kind of things that are getting me like confused and excited. I'm like, what is this going to be? <laughs> yeah. Th there are still those little moments. And I think this is just going to be, the ultimate playground for everybody talking about this game and sharing theories and strategies and just weird ideas. And it's going to be the greatest generator of weird, silly physics clips maybe ever. I'm so curious to see, but there's still stuff that maybe should be obvious, but like in GameSpot's video preview, uh, they mentioned like, Oh, you can fuse a rock with a sword to get like a sledgehammer. And then you can use a sledgehammer to like bust open walls. It's like, Oh, I hadn't even thought of that as an option. Oh. Yeah, and fusing is limited to two things, two right? Items, which I thought might be the case with um, when we when they first shared how it worked. So yeah. I'm not really surprised there, but it's nice to have a little confirmation of that. And that's different than when you're like making vehicles, right? Yes, that's, because that's can... ultra hand. Yeah. Oh, of course, ultra right. hand. Of course. I don't know why you're confused, Jacob. It makes perfect sense. You know, it is funny though. In like in a few months, we will it will just be. We'll like we'll use those terms interchangeably, and we'll know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, it'll be another game will come out, and we'll be like, oh, so it's kind of using the Ultra Hand system. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Ultra Hand, you can build wild vehicles. Um, something interesting. I saw some people talking. I'm curious if this is real. That apparently you can also save. Like auto build is another ability that was seen in people's like B-roll, like the menus and stuff like that. And it's like the purple power. So if you make a vehicle, you can save it and then just pop that one out again. But apparently Nintendo was like asking people to pull down their clips if it included <laughs> a clip of this oh, really? auto build okay. thing. They didn't want that to quite get out there yet. But it seems like even uh, Good Vibes Gaming, which had a really great video preview they were talking about and hinting towards it. Like, yeah, if you don't like the tinkering with the vehicle stuff, there is a way around it, but it seems like Nintendo told them they couldn't talk about it quite yet, but people have pieced this together. So it's nice that you can have that just in like your big template queue for when you want to pop out another rocket ship and stuff like that. What stood out to me was kind of people talking about, you know, like Breath of the Wild is this game where it's like, there are a lot of people in my life who do not play games, but will still talk about Breath of the Wild the way that 
I do, which is yeah. like greatest game ever made. And this really feels like it is it is so complex that I can imagine it maybe not being the same universal hit. Like I saw people mm. talking about like how kind of strange the controls are, yep. which I think they have to be based on like the kind of range of things they're allowing you to do. But there's like there's some stuff like that that made me think, you know, it's like, you know, I think my neighbor who plays like one video game every three years and loves Breath of the Wild might not be able to like quite as easily sink into this one. Like it, it, it sounds more gamey in a way that I'm excited about, but is also kind of un Nintendo. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I love the idea of calling it a Nintendo because it does like what has me excited about this game is uh, how they describe it. Like GameSpot described it as a bunch of open ended, open ended physics based puzzles of like you just see it like treasure chest dangling off a sky island. However you want to get it is up to you. And it's like that's such a weird, messy idea. And Nintendo is the least messy company I know. So it's so fun to see them with this game seemingly embracing like, you know, you can just kind of fudge a lot of stuff. You're going to be skyrimming up a lot of mountains and the equivalent of that. Just kind of like shove some things together and it'll work. It just feels like for a company that's very clean and controlled, suddenly they're just like, I don't know, here's buckets of paint, have at it, paint something cool. I, I love that so much. I, I saw a preview call it an immersive sim, which is mm. like, if, if it really is, which it seems to be, I mean, it feels like the most mainstream immersive sim we'll have ever had. And if that connects with people, I feel like that's so interesting to like, like Jacob's talking about with that different market that isn't always super into games, but is into Zelda. Right. Uh, they have a potential to be like really stimulated creatively and change what their perception of games is. I, and maybe I'm just speaking really highfalutin because I love that genre so much. Because but I like he is the immersive no. simp. He is. New Show Plus has proven it. I think you're right. I think that's going to be the interesting challenge for this game is like, I could see it turning off more people, but it could turn a different crowd on in a bigger way. You know, like I'm thinking of just kind of like the Minecraft generation, if it's fair to call that, you know, and they are already in love with Breath of the Wild by and large. But like, is there still more in society we could wring out from people who are just eager for kind of janky physics sandbox and if it hits i think it could hit people in a huge way and yeah turn them on to a bunch of other games worse games yeah. but still other games Hanson, what what is kind of the overall vibe from the previews that you read has it been like i i mean obviously it's so it's like okay it's way more physically than we thought yeah. was it like and that is super awesome or we don't know how we feel about that yet or it seems to be like uh, humility is the way I would phrase it. it's a lot of people like oh my god there's so many different angles to do this we didn't think of these thousand things and there's going to be a thousand more and I'm sure people from Treehouse you know were ready to say this but it was a lot of people being like you know I did something and people at Treehouse said I've played a lot of this game and I've never seen somebody right. do that before you know so it's just a general feeling of like we we're buckling up for a lot of really wild creative combinations out there. But then it was also, yeah, people saying controls, little rough, little rough to get used to, even if you're used to Breath of the Wild, but there's going to be some some learning curves here. Um, and then a lot I do, of- I do worry about that sort of um, compliment of being like, this is going to inspire so many people to do so many things. And we're going to see so many YouTube videos of people doing it in weird ways, which I, I think seems to be true, right? I think it's a safe call to say that. But I do worry about like because my my thing has always kind of been like those are great and I like looking at those, but it doesn't impact my personal experience. You know, like mm-hmm. what is it is am I going to find 
like one solution that mostly solves everything and kind of stick with that over the course of my game like am i gonna feel stifled because i'm not as creative as you know these people on youtube are like i'm kind of curious how that's gonna be on like an individual basis so just for like uncreative morons out there you're wondering what that type of run's gonna look like I mean, yeah, or, you're making a joke, but yes, like, no, I, I do. I'm like, curious. I'm not that creative. I like, I don't. I'm not over the moon to design a boat every time I need to cross a river. You well, know, that's, like, I, I think want, that... I do want the Zelda stuff I love, which is like puzzle solving and story and and bosses that take advantage of the tools in interesting ways. You know, I but it's 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 so much we'll see but i think so much of that comes down to that auto build ability i think that's going to be huge it's like okay you're going to spend some time making your ideal flying machine your ideal boat and then if you don't want to do it again that's fine bam you just got it and you can pop it out there again then here's your rocket pack one more time to the stars yeah maybe you find templates that already made like maybe characters will give you Mm. prints or something you know i don't know but it does i i mean like i get what you're saying kyle because i i have that thing where it's like you see an amazing thing that someone made in like fallout 76 or whatever you know it's like look at my base look at this like incredible piece of artistry and i'm like that's amazing i still don't want to like play that game you know like just (laughs) just the fact that this is still like popping up five years after this game released is impressive in terms of creativity but not necessarily in terms of like my own individual fun with it yeah yeah and it it is interesting to think that like this is this is a component that has never been in a Zelda game. Like there was some physics stuff in Breath of the Wild, but by and large, this is a completely different thing. And it sounds like it's a very main component uh, of the game. And I don't it will be like I'm super excited for that. That has me yeah. like so much more excited for this than I would have been uh, like a direct sequel. But I'm it'll be interesting to see how how everyone else who really enjoyed the core formula of Breath of the Wild um, kind of take this detour. Well, I mean, there already is on Reddit and elsewhere plenty of people complaining and bellyaching and wanting, and I say bellyaching with all respect, but saying that they want like classic Zelda format to come back, right? Mm-hmm. And I imagine after this, where it's even wackier and diff- more different than other people would expect, like I'd imagine after this game, years years and years and years from today people are going to be screaming like okay now it's really time for zelda to get back like this is going to inspire those people like this is even more astray than breath of the wild and i was already hungry for it after that game and and to be clear like i don't i'm not one of those people i don't think zelda like needs to go back to old school zelda i I would actually i would i would like those games to exist in a secondary way you know like remakes of the original games or maybe a separate team doing more, more classic 2d zelda but like i just hope it's like I got I do get my Zelda in Tears of the Kingdom and like I'm sure it's in there. They're just not showing it yet. And that's totally fine. Like I'm sure there's plenty of Zelda ass Zelda stuff in that game. Yeah, I think it was Gene Park from the Washington Post that said like, yeah, I saw a door that certainly looked like it led to a dungeon and Nintendo said you can't go in there. Um, so <laughs> there is no concrete confirmation of uh, dungeons being in the game, but it seems likely based on everything we've seen. I mean, the last trailer, I feel I'm like basically confirmed that. it as much as we can yeah, get. I'm, sh- I'm sure they will. But the question is, when you when you're in a in a dungeon, is it like okay now put together this wacky Gary's mod contraption in right. order to get over this pit, or whether it's you know going to be more kind of their scripted puzzle solving? I could. I want some of that scripted it. stuff in there. I bet that's what it's going to be. Doesn't have to be the whole thing, but I do want some of it. Yeah, I bet it's going to be. I, I want to slide a block around in a specific path. 
I don't hate that, Leo. I know you do. I don't mind it sometimes. (laughs) It became almost a cliche to say about Breath of the Wild that it was like playing Link to the Past for the first time again Mm. for some Zelda fans. And I think it only achieved that because it felt like something new. And the fact that they're going for that feeling of doing something new again, I think, is really, really commendable, period. Whether it works out for everybody or not. Yep, I'm totally with you. Uh, there's other little details that were interesting. There are towers around the world, and those like rocket propel you up to the islands. There's another avenue for getting up there that they haven't really revealed before. Um, something that this makes total sense, and I'm so glad they're doing it. There's something called a travel medallion. IGN in their video preview, they they ran down this thing, um, and it's just a little token that you can put on the ground anywhere, and it's basically an automatic fast travel point. But then also, if you die, you respawn there. So if you're like doing some precarious stuff really high up on one of the sky islands, just put that travel medallion down. And then if you fall, it's like no big deal. Because I think even on this podcast, we're talking before, we're like, oh, when you fall, yeah. that could be devastating. But it's, nope, of course, Nintendo thought of that. You just teleport well, back up. No big deal. To be clear, that was in Breath of the Wild. It was in the DLC. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, you could unlock that because I, I just kept it at my house. Mm. So I would just always fast travel to my house. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Koroks are back. Uh, for collecting all these things. Um, also, you can't alter hand living things, but uh, in IGN's video preview, they mentioned that you can, there's a section where you can pick up with the ultra hand the backpack that a Korok is wearing and then like carry one Korok over to another as a way of like solving the Korok puzzle or whatever the hell. So there might be some weird fudge areas. It's like, okay, you can't pick now, up the horse. Think but not being able to ultra hand living things, is that like a law of the game or is it just like unethical? Would it just be like a really messed up thing to do? Right. Link's just like, uh-uh, uh-uh, like he's terrified, but still kind of tempted to like throw a big pile of NPCs together in a town I somewhere. Mean, look, I don't. Half-Life 2 had the same rules with their gravity gun. And, uh, you know, maybe they fudged those rules a bit during the last end. And it was yeah, one maybe of the it turns into inside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or it's just like at the final fights, you and Ganon just ultra handing each other, just throwing each other around High-fiving. a room. Are you mashing to one? Yes. Uh, oh, you buried the lead. Koroks wear backpacks now? Come on. Uh, you know what? That is huge. Um, the weirdest thing maybe that they showed is um, all these abilities, they're all like coming from the Zonai and like the rockets and fans and things that you're strapping to vehicles. Those are all like Zonai parts apparently, which is this ancient civilization in Zelda. Um, but you're getting all these pieces from giant gotcha machines that are apparently scattered around the world. And I guess Nintendo was like, Call them bubblegum dispensers. Bubblegum. But it's like, no, these are just gotcha <laughs> machines. But there's so many like negative connotations with that. But you get like zonite. You can get any color of bubblegum. Bubble <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Uh, but you get like zonite coins or some equivalent. You toss in this thing and then it spits out like, here's a little bubble that pops open. And here's some rockets. Here's some fans. Here's a portable cooking pot so you can cook anywhere and stuff like that. So, you know, you got to get them somehow. But. Just gonna, does it ruin the sanctity of the world that just have giant gotcha machines scattered across Hyrule? As long as you're not paying for them, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Jacob, you anything we missed for Tears of the Kingdom? No, oh, I, I mean, like, a million things, but they're all like, you can put an explosive barrel on your shield, and then they smack it and blow up. You know, they're just like, every, every preview is just like a list of things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Brian Shea put one of those fans on his shield, he said, and then when he held the the shield up, it was blasting air at enemies and stuff like that, which is like, that's cool. Oh, that's good. Yeah, check out uh, Brian Shea's preview over at Game Informer and Good Vibes Gaming. They have a good video preview, GameSpot, IGN, the ones I watch there, so thanks to them for letting us leech off their hot coverage. Um, uh, We should announce something, something that we said repeatedly we would never do, 
that was against the core of our being. We talked about it in Party Chat, our bonus podcast. And then about a month ago or so, we said, you know what, F that, we should just go ahead and do it. So we are officially- We're giving Jeffum the death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> no! Come on in, killers! Uh, we are going to be announcing what we're tackling next for the deepest dive, and you'll never guess it. Surprise! We're going to do The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom for the deepest dive. That is going to be the next one. Now, there are a couple asterisks. Um, we have said that this is an impossible game to do the deepest dive on because we don't want to tell people what to do and where to go and there's no clear stopping points. We don't know how to structure it. So this is a deepest dive, but it'll have an asterisk on it in our hearts because it's going to be kind of a looser deepest dive. We want some place, obviously, to dive in deep, maybe have the best, most thorough discussion about this game on the internet. Um, so we need some bonus content somewhere, so we might as well lean into our bonus show that's designed for it, even though the format is a messy fit because we're used to doing you know the more linear the more story focused type of game uh it's better off for the deepest dive game club discussion but we're going to try and do this and we'll get back to you for exact formatting what we were thinking is we might try and break it up by quadrants for like this episode we're covering everything in the northeast side of the map this one southwest if there's a cleaner way to delineate that we'll focus on that but it's just going to be more in the vein of like we did some bonus episodes or discussions for Elden Ring in the MinMax studio. Uh, so if you remember those discussions on our YouTube channel, it'll be a little bit more like those, a little more free form and less like, all right, hit this stopping point and let's talk about this. We just want a lot of people from the community writing in and sharing their thoughts and adventures and just have a place to really celebrate the hell out of Tears of the Kingdom. It feels like as long as people keep the spoiler talk for like the last episode, yeah. that seems like a general guideline of just go out and have... Have some fun. Have some fun and let's talk, talk about, about it. it. That's right. And if you're wondering, what is the deepest dive? What does this mean? This is our game club series where we tackle games and break them apart and have the best with our discussion about them as possible. Um, and these are on MinMax's YouTube channel in full. But then also you can help support that game club format and submit comments for us to read during those discussions by supporting us on Patreon. Support us at Patreon at the $5 tier. You get the full podcast version of all of these discussions and they're going to be big and long and in charge. So look forward to that, everybody in the middle of May. Tears of the Kingdom! We're close, Kyle. We're so close. Tot-ki. Totka. I can't. Do we have a nickname for it yet? Every, every time I see it, I think people are talking about TikTok and just they have a weird way yep. of spelling it. I still haven't gotten over that, so we got to try. Oh, also, there's a Tears of the Kingdom channel open now in the uh, Midmax Discord if you want to jump in there and uh, share your hype level. Uh, speaking of hype level, <sighs> Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, out this Friday from Respawn, this is the sequel to 2019's Fallen Damn Order. Uh, we've all been playing it, lay the land, I'm like six to seven hours in. Kyle, how, how far are you? Well, I've assumed I was a bit further than you, based uh -oh. on you texting me recently. But I thought I was only like four Okay. Or five. Maybe well, my clock's just wrong. Well, I mean, I was texting you saying, I'm so confused, I don't know where to go, what is going on? So if you <laughs> add up all that time where I've been confused, I don't yeah. know what's going on, maybe that accounts for the... I'm on... Okay. Uh, if, that, if that means anything to anybody. And I should mention, uh, we should go as spoiler-free as possible uh, for this discussion, because that's a, a huge part of the thrill of this thing. But uh, Jacob Geller, how much have you played? Uh, like, I don't know, two... two Three hours. I, I'm on. I'm on the planet that's not Coruscant. Is that Kobo? <laughs> Kobo. Okay. You know, everyone knows Kobo. Come are on, these man. are these planet name spoilers? 
I think some people might consider them spoilers. What, what are you talking about? I, I <laughs> think we're going to blow those Landed after the tutorial level okay. that's called a nonsense combination of letters. I think it's a new planet as well. I don't yeah. think it's like some planet that whatever. But okay. I mean, I understand your spoilers. Yeah. New uh, planet. I, Jeff, um, <laughs> you have the most interesting saga, maybe. But Leo, how much have you played of this thing? Four hours. Okay. I'm on Congo. <laughs> Okay, all right. Keep it down. Keep it down. Uh, Jeff, what's going on with you in this game now? I I feel like I'm in an alternate universe or something. I've played probably two or three hours. I'm still on Coruscant yeah. for reasons. Reasons? It's making it's making me super nauseous that because is so it's weird. janky, and I don't understand what's going on. Like no, normally, I don't get I don't get motion sickness from games, but there's some there's a level of jankiness on PS5 yeah. that I feel like I'm not I I can't be the only person who's experiencing it. But am I the only? I'm guess I'm the only um, one who's getting sick from I, it. Or it's running bad on PC, which makes it a little unpleasant. I I also feel like I'm in an alternate universe, maybe similar to you, because I just feel like it. Uh, feels terrible to play but i don't want to uh, come out of the gate with that because i understand that other people like it well god forbid don't get out of the gate with that if you could just bury that comment later in this discussion, yeah sorry great. but i'm in the same universe as jeffo maybe okay there, there is there is definitely something going on that's important to, to stress is like it it was running a little rough a lot of screen tearing a lot of just weird pop in just a lot of general jank there was are we what well, what are we playing i'm on ps5 I'm, I'm and PS5. my jankiness comes from like animation quirks yep a lot which of that. frankly yeah. is like ultimately like distracting but i'm still having like a good time with the game and like i'm enjoying the combat and the sort of platforming but it's just there's like little weird like like cal will like slide in a weird way it's, or like things like that yeah. um so yeah, to, yeah, to that's that's the same. It's like there. technically it's like it runs fine for me. It's just like I think the the movement itself is strange. Well, here's the thing. So there was a big update and playing a little bit more this morning, it seems to be better. So maybe the official release I tried, version I tried you the update it? last night and it didn't it didn't help. Really? Me a lot. Are and, you on and I'm still it's still like like I started again and I was standing stationary in an area and just slowly rotating the camera. And it's like constant screen tearing in a way that is, is very surprising to me. I have performance mode set because I'm playing in 1080p. So it's not, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's weird. There there is a camera shake setting that you can turn down. I, I turn that, that down. Yeah. yeah. I, turn, I, turn, I turn motion blur down because. Huh. I think it's probably just I, some jank pre-release thing. Like the game is like 140 gigs, I'm, but you should probably just delete it and just re-download it at that is point. It, is it because Cal has red hair and you don't like <laughs> redheads and you find oh, them disgusting? <laughs> can, we, can we block Kyle's camera right now? <laughs> yeah, man. Whatever you need. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. I will accept that like it, this is this must be a a weird thing personally uh for me in terms of like the nausea but there there is a a lack of polish that i would that i'm surprised by i'm hopeful that it gets patched again beyond the day zero patch and that they can kind of cl- clean some of that up but. yeah yeah my journey with this game is i'm enjoying it 
so far and I didn't finish uh, Fallen Order. I played like maybe five hours or so and then watched like a YouTube story cut. There is a nice story recap at the start of this, which was nice to kind of reframe everything that happens. I think it's really well done. Um, but jumping into this thing, my first reaction was like, oh, I don't I don't think I was hyped enough for this. Like I'm actually really excited for just like a third person Star Wars action adventure. This sounds great. Um, and then I had that moment of like, Okay, I think I was excited because I was expecting like a Naughty Dog level of polish. And it's like, it is it is far from that. And not to say it's just a janky mess, but it is certainly, even after the patch, like there's a lot more jank in here than I was expecting. But still, I, I am enjoying it more and more. And especially like, you know, for roughly where Kyle and I are at, I assume we had the same idea, Kyle. But I was in the camp of like, I'm enjoying this, but wait, where is it going? When are we going to like fall into a groove of like what the structure or idea behind this game is? And then... It took a while, but yeah, like around like that five hour mark, it's like, okay, this is what the game is about. Here's your goal. And it's like, okay, lock it in. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm on board for that basic idea. It, it takes a while to meet the antagonist. You know? Right, right. And that's when it kind of shifts into another gear and stuff. But um, so Kyle, yeah, you mentioned some general jank, just animation jank and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. outside of that, yeah, you got hot thoughts on this thing? Uh, yeah, I, I've been enjoying it. I, I like the first. It's honestly like when I think about cont- like modern Star Wars, and I say this, I haven't watched Andor, which I I understand yeah. is the one that I need to watch. Right? Like, yes, n- nothing has really been appealing for me for Star Wars lately. To the point where like Fallen Order and now Jedi Survivor is probably like my favorite modern Star Wars content, just because it's like a solid action game with cool environmental platforming that I like, you know, like Prince of Persia style running along walls and stuff like that. And it, it also, I have increasingly become, or rather I have increasingly enjoyed sort of counter focused combat more and more lately, like, uh, between, um, Sekiro and then, uh, gosh, the game name I've already forgotten, but I really enjoyed earlier this year. Long, thank you. And then Star Wars is a little bit of that too. It's like to a, a lesser degree, but it's like it's really fun to block with a lightsaber at the right moment and send you know uh, laser shots back at stormtroopers and stuff like that. Like th- that part of the game is still uh, is is really clicking for me, and I'm enjoying that part of it. And I and I am overlooking sort of the janky parts because it's never it's never enough to break the game. I'm not getting right. stuck in geometry, but like. I'll knock a monster off the side of a mountain and just sort of watch it like slowly, you know, droop off into the distance. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Right. Let's run. Let's go over here now. And for me, it's a lot of like, can I go in this area? I guess I'll try and jump there. Okay. I can kind of hug onto this edge and then the animation gets all wonky and stuff. But I mean, every game's going to have some. Once Cal starts like vibrating, you're like, I don't think I'm supposed to be going this way. This is the wrong kind of force power. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Uh, Leo, I- I'm surprised you seem to be enjoying this game so much. It didn't seem like your type of thing. Um, I'm enjoying it pretty fine. It, I oh. think the worlds are really cool. Like, I'm enjoying looking around a lot and on Coruscant and, of course, the jungles of Klongo. But I... <laughs> I think I it's like really cool for people who want to have a Star Wars adventure. I feel like it's doing a great job of that. When you get to a new planet, it's really exciting and like fun to explore. But it's I probably don't want that enough to carry me through the whole thing. Yeah, there's a lot of great design in here. There's some really good goofy aliens and goofy droids. There's an alien called Turgle, who's the best thing I've seen in Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, he certainly sounds like he's voiced by the same guy who voiced Raz in Psychonauts. Like, I'd I'd be shocked. For sure. For sure he is. And his run animation is fully Looney Tunes. (laughs) It's so weird to see in Star Wars, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm with you. There's There's a robot that you meet 
uh, somewhat early-ish on, uh, who was like, God, I love this robot design in a way that I have not really fallen in love with the Star Wars design in a while. Such a, a cool concept for a, a new take on a droid in Star Wars. So there's definitely yeah. those types of little thrills in there. And Kyle, I, I'm kind of with you where... I love Andor and I'm fully caught up on everything but like the animated shows with Star Wars but like especially this last season of Mandalorian I was I was cooling on pretty hard. Um so it's interesting with this game to yeah, kind of like cooling on Mandalore uh Mandalorian season 1 episode 1. You <laughs> monster. What is wrong wow. with you? The second you saw Baby Yoda you turned your TV off in a rage. Oh wait, I should have watched episode 2. Is that when Baby Yoda shows up? <laughs> yeah, well, he was at the end of episode <laughs> 1. If you made it that far. Anyways, but it's weird to like reframe your brain cuz like they've been digging into so much of kind of like building of the new republic era, like post return of the Jedi in Star Wars with Mandalorian and all the shows and stuff. So now it's weird to be like, okay, that's right. We're between three and four again. I got to reset where I'm at in this timeline. This is Saw Gerrera era. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Is uh, that the official name of it? The Saw Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I think that's the way they frame it, yeah. Um, by the way, did I miss with 2019's game? Because I wasn't playing a lot of From games. I didn't play Fallen Order that much. Did everybody make a lot of the jokes about calling the BD healing Kestis flasks? Like Cal Kestis? Did everyone make that joke? I haven't heard that. Really? No. Well, we have to go that's, back that's and good. do that. We need to go to back. Invent a time machine. Uh, so, Jeff, I'm, I mean, are you eager for this? I know you love Fallen Order. I, yes. I do want to play more. And when I'm not getting nauseous from it, like, I, I do I do think I think they have done a good job, um, like, capturing Jedi powers in a way they that like we surprisingly haven't seen from a lot of games. I like force pulling someone and running them through with a lightsaber, yeah. you know, force pushing people off of cliffs. Um, like, like Kyle said, one of the most satisfying things is just blocking a shot and sending it right back and killing a stormtrooper in one hit. Like all of that stuff is working for me. Um, it it's, I just, I just need a, I need like a quality of life patch to, to get me over some of, you know, like polish things up a little bit. Um, yeah. And then I, I will be more interesting. I do have to say, I still think Carl the Jedi is just the word, <laughs> like offensively boring. And, and it's, it's surprising that someone managed to make a star Wars character. I don't want to play a game as, but, but by God, they succeeded. Well, it's would it just, change your mind if sometimes you can open a chest, you know, you can go around a corner, you can find a chest and you can open it up and there's a mullet inside of it. Oh, now you're talking. Some, <laughs> you can, you can. Is that one of the customization oh, options? Yeah. Is hell a yeah. mullet? Okay. Yeah, hell yeah. I do like the how robust the customization is. That's great. That's a really good, strong upgrade from the last one. And I've put a big full beard on Cal, and he's now like <laughs> even weirder, but far past where he was at to yeah. being a weird that I like. I would like to have a anti gravity beard and put it on Cal because, like, going through those customization options, I. I feel guilty for how much I am just numb to Cal Kestis as a character. I'm like, if there was just like a cool customization option, there was just like a cool helmet that I could put on him, just cover him up a little bit. I think paper I'd be, bag. Because I just, I spent <laughs> I mean, so much time looking at like just his eyelashes, like everything. And it, part of it's like the tech, you know, I have him in performance modes. So the fidelity isn't as strong as it can be, but just like the edge of his hair and his bushy eyelashes. I'm just obsessed with this guy's boring face. <laughs> Isn't it kind of incredible that this is like a mainstream actor who people know from like TV and stuff? Yeah. And it seems like, I, I don't know, like 
the the like animation programmer who was like, yeah, you can put my face on it. Like I'll act like I I think it's like one of the least interesting performances I can remember in a triple A game. I just don't understand what is supposed to be appealing about him in any way. I don't know. I I would not go that far. I just I'm still waiting. What do you like about him? What's like, oh, I love when he does <laughs> this. Wait, you're making me defend Cal Kestis? I think there's a lot of boring protagonists in video games. And it's like, uh, he's a, believe it or not, he's a Jedi who's kind of sarcastic and smug, which I think is just part of the Jedi code at this point. Like everyone has to be a little bit cocky about their Jedi powers. But there is there is like a premise here that I think is interesting of like, you know, it, pretty early on uh you connect with grease from the first game and like they have that discussion which i think is an interesting idea of you know him just being like uh, hey this empire is not going away uh and then that inner struggle within cal of like do can i just live a normal life can i start a family i don't think they go quite that far at this point or like am i just this is my life is just fighting the empire until i die and that's it and i like grease's angle of trying to push him to be like no man like you can settle down somewhere. You don't have to just keep this fight against the Empire. You don't need to sacrifice your life for the sake of this thing that's unwinnable. Like that, at least, is a compelling hook for a story. Jacob Geller, it's not that so has much nothing to do with the character. Well, he's he's personally torn every once in a while about what I to do, and that's I something. Would, I would like a game where like my hand doesn't automatically start looking at my phone when a cutscene starts. Come on, and it's like literally from like the second cutscene, I was like, all right, let's. What's going on here? This is You this know what is, I like what? about Cal Kestis, Jacob? What? BD1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cute. BD1 I, pretty I am shocked. Lot. This is why Cal's fine. Uh, you're always surprising to have here, Jacob, because uh, right now your Dead Island 2 is twice the game that Star Wars Jedi Survivor is. Is that I, your hot take? I think I might hate this game, and <laughs> whoa, I don't whoa, understand whoa. why. Like, I feel, I feel kind of broken and i think this is maybe like my my triple a breaking point but like i i just and i generally i like triple a games you know like i i play the big budget ones and i have fun but i just like i keep playing this and i the whole time i'm playing i'm thinking like what's the fun part like which is the part that i'm supposed to be enjoying because Mm -hmm. like the platforming is not fun how it's like oh there's a graded ceiling and i push the stick forward and he like swings across the grates yeah I guess that'll take me to the next fun part, but I also don't think the combat is particularly fun. I think it's just kind of like, I, I understand that it's Soulsy, but it still feels kind of like button mashing. It doesn't feel as, as kind of close to the, you know, Souls thing as what it's trying to emulate. I think the story is incredibly boring. I th- It's just like, I you know it feels like it's pulling from a bunch of different games and in theory it is interesting to have this kind of soulsy star wars game and i like i beat fallen order you know like i played the whole thing and i just like i i I don't i don't get it like i don't it's just like the only thing that i like here is i think the environments are cool and then i start moving around them and i think man this is uninteresting I do think we could hang some of that on like it takes a while to get rolling like okay you eventually are building up a town and going on side quests to like improve uh, a little bar 
which I know you're very into and plant and plants and stuff like that. And the story starts to pick up and it has some interesting concepts in it and teases of cool new environments you'll get to see on a regular basis. But I, I, I get it. I get it a little bit where I'm not over the moon about this game. I'm enjoying my time with it, but the cynical, horrible part of my soul also had that moment of like, but where's like the part that I'm really enjoying? Like where's the, where's the super you know, fun it's part like, here? I think it, it, it speaks to, uh, the talent of Naughty Dog that Uncharted yes. introduced the world to this, you know, objectively pretty boring style of platforming where you can't fall and you just push the stick in a direction and playing Uncharted. I'm like, this is fine. You know, like, I don't mind this. And in this it's happening. And I'm like, I'm doing the Uncharted thing. And it just like sucks. I just like I don't want to just see the ceiling or see the slanted wall and be like there's one thing that i do against that and it doesn't take skill it just takes like me pushing the button to attach the wall and i think it is interesting too the metroidvania construction of it yeah going back to these levels even the first one which is like pretty cinematic you still can revisit and find new side stuff and there's still walls you can't get through or whatever it is interesting how that feels almost like it's limiting what can happen during the platforming in some ways. Like it can't really deform the map or change it in a way where you wouldn't be. Able yeah, to I guess, you know, it. it's like Prince of Persia is not a creative platformer either. But for whatever reason, I'm really acutely feeling the lack of creativity here where it's just like slanted wall. That means wall run. And then that's what I do. And it works. And, and that's kind of it. Yeah, I think the way they make up for maybe some of that, like, okay, I know what to do in this spot. I know what to do in this spot um, is yeah. With that level design, like environments are interesting and you run into those situations like, okay, it's less linear than an uncharted game. They're trying to maybe make it more interesting. We're like, okay, you kind of wrap back around. You can unlock shortcuts for yourself in a more soulsy style way. So having some areas that are a little, little bit more complicated than the typical environment for Naughty Dog game is something. Um, I, I am bottom of the barrel when it comes to, um, navigating spaces and video games if you've seen me stream you know how terrible i am at this but am i the only one that's running into a lot of situations of like i have no idea where to go i know the map's supposed to guide me and have that icon on even that isn't exactly pointing me the right situation a lot of times and it's a lot of me just i think i can jump over there oh no okay i fell to my death wait am i what is this oh it turns out there was a tiny cranny i needed to shove myself into and that's where i needed to go am i alone for being shocked by <laughs> how yeah, lost i am I, i'm a little I'm a little torn about that because I agree with you. And I think it's because the environment looks a little more consistent, except for those instances that Jacob's calling out, which are totally true, where you can see the scraping on the wall right, and you're right. supposed to run against them. But it doesn't, there are times where it doesn't really feel like a designed level. And I think that maybe they wanted to try to lean more into like the, the environmental art, right. And like making it feel, more like a like a jungler or wherever you are, wherever Leo is, this mysterious jungle. I've never heard of. Dude, shut up about the jungle. Are you in your mind? And it's like I yeah, it does make it a little harder to navigate, but it does make it look more like a real place. Maybe I I don't know if it was the right call. I've I've had the same things where it's like it seems like there are a bunch of little cracks in the wall just because of the environmental art, and then one of them, you do the classic video game like through. go through the loading right, screen right. but it's like yeah it doesn't it doesn't kind of stand out maybe because it is also detailed yeah i mean it, it is worth zooming out and just appreciating that even if it's not lighting all of us on fire it's like it is it is cool that ea is funding just this big like what 25 hours for the main story apparently 20 to 25 
Uh, and then there's a bunch of bonus stuff on top of that, but just like a big single player story driven Star Wars game. Like it's, I hate to be like, it's a miracle they did it. They're just, you know, following the money. But at the same time, it's like, I'm, I'm so glad that we're here at this moment in time in the game industry that this is seen as a good financial option for EA. And um, yeah, it's like, there's a lot right in this because I mean, EA is, you know, pushing Respawn as their premier developer at this point, And Star Wars has really bundled up with Respawn in a big way. And they have that first person shooter coming out. And then they're also working with while not primarily developing that tactics star wars game that the former uh Firaxis art director is working on and stuff and so when i started this and it was on the very janky end of the spectrum noted pre-release early code and all that stuff there was a part of me that was a little bit scared of like oh boy is this gonna turn out to be a disaster and then all of these star wars and EE plans are gonna fall through but it, people who have finished it the reviews are glowing uh out there which is probably worth noting no, um, also the it's the kind of review where it's like what code came out three days ago and it's 20 hours long. So I picture everyone kind of writing those reviews in a stupor, not not to say that they're not genuine, but like I have also seen people talking about like, man, this sucked. Like how how these reviews happen. Yeah, I mean, I, the codes came in eh, more, you know, more headway than a lot of other games that get sent their way and stuff. But I don't know for all the people that were actually yeah, it'll, always, it'll always be an issue, though. I mean, <coughs> Yeah, compressing that time is always tough. I do think the main takeaway is that Dead Island 2 is rad. (laughs) All right. Uh, I I... take a shot, everybody. I'm curious to see what everybody thinks of Star Wars Jedi Survivor uh, in the community. (laughs) Like, I'm going to keep going with it. I'm having a a good time with it. Um, Not Gaga over it by any means. But, like, if you like the first game, it seems like a lock. Like, this, this feels like it, especially if it just gets more and more polished over time and it's patched and whatnot. But Leo, you say no, nay to lock. Oh, of course. Yeah, oh. I, I, there's a, plenty of people don't need to hear a conversation about it to decide whether they're going to buy it or not. There it and is. That's fine. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, Horizon, Burning Shores. The way we were talking about Star Wars, uh, beating down Brian at the backstage past year watching us live, he said, Jacob Keller is describing exactly how I feel about the Horizon series. I saw that. Yeah. And that makes me sad. Although yeah. the traversal in Horizon is very much that uncharted um, kind of way and, yeah. uh, and I won't I won't defend in like Redhead playing, th- play, Redhead. playing through that minute. really <laughs> it, it made me feel like I don't think tra- like traversal based environmental puzzles are for me like and I don't understand how they're really for anyone because <laughs> it, it's not fun for me to go into an area and be like okay that's where I gotta get there but how am I going to get there? There there must be some kind of crate that I'm going to push over there and then climb up on something and jump over to something else. Like it it that uh, that aspect of all games always feels like busy work to me and it's weird that Sony leans into that so much in yeah. all of their third person games. Um but outside of that, uh <laughs> I enjoy I I've, I've enjoyed everything about uh Burning Shores. My wife and I played through it together. Ooh. She was very much looking forward to it. Um and yeah, it's it's one of those examples. I think I think they managed to do what they did with um, Frozen Wilds, which was the DLC for the first one, where they they create like its own contained story with a much smaller arc, but it but it like hits all the satisfying beats of introducing a new villain, which you then like go through the entire arc with and wrap up in a very satisfying way. Um, it has all the lore for the new area that you're going to. So you, you're learning about how it was in the past as well as how it is now. Uh, you, 
you end up you deal a lot with the Quen um, faction, which is one of kind of the cultures in in the world, um, which is interesting. There's a whole new character and relationships that you get into with that. Uh, yeah. And, you know, like more robots, more weapons, all those uh, kind of good things. Is it, um, um, so it takes place in LA. How cheeky are they with like, mm, what was this well, Hollywood you, sign? Is it, is you, it, do they call it or, LA? They oh. don't, unfortunately. That's um, the point then. Yeah, there, there may, may or may not be a Hollywood sign on the side of a mountain during a major fight. Um, I, I would I would say also that I feel like one of the criticisms of the um, of Forbidden West was that the the final boss fight was kind of underwhelming, um, which I which I have seen that criticism and agree with it. And it it feels like here like there is a there is very much an extended series of events and final boss fight that feel like. Okay, Gorilla's kind of trying to make up for oh, that's cool. for that criticism of the first one. So it, it has a very satisfying conclusion to it. Um, well. The the end of Forbidden West is like a big, really really interesting and really like oh my god cliffhanger. Uh, what 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 is the like vibe of this like? Or do they just kind of put it off, or do they like start addressing uh, it? They they acknowledge it. It's. But it, but that's so. There are conversations where they're talking about that that's coming, and and the main the main new character that they introduce that like there is that tension of, do I tell this person that this other thing is coming? But this is this is like a separate event that is still kind of tied into that. But um, but it, but you're not like immediately going to work to solving that. It's it's its own calamity that you will deal with um, and solve, and then you can go back to worrying about. The next thing but yeah but but it's i it's kind of on par with that interesting kind of like they they take big swings with their sci-fi in yeah. in the horizon series um and that has always really appealed to me i i'm like a sucker for sci-fi so maybe it it does more for me than beating down brian obviously <laughs> um but but yeah it's it's just it's a it's a solid good addition if you already want more horizon um it'll yeah. do it for you it's um it's ps5 only which is interesting like i like huh. it's interesting to see like uh developers and publishers grabbing onto the idea of like well people are going to be a little pissed when the sequel comes out and they can't play it so like with this and then also final Fantasy VII remake they're like let's just make the dlc which is going to be a smaller splash let's make that the cutoff point so less people are outraged maybe uh but i yeah, feel sorry it, for the ps4 folks and, and it is like if you if you told me going into it like we're only doing it for PS5 we it can't run on the PS4 like I don't know that it it like it looks spectacular but the yeah. the base game looks spectacular it doesn't it's not so over the top blowing my mind that I was like oh this could only be done on PS5 but that's kind of a testament to Gorilla to begin with yeah. also I I don't think people will be pissed they can't play it on their PS4 in like 2027 or like whenever that next game comes comes out out. yeah Yeah, you're totally right and you know we we talked about it in party chatter bonus podcast but yeah uh angie who's the producer for the horizon series over at gorilla uh they are moving up to a higher role within playstation and in that post gorilla revealed like by the way we do have future plans for aloy the adventure is continuing and also we have that multiplayer 
experience that's coming up as well for Horizon. So, which I think is rumored to be that co-op, more monster huntery type of thing. So, there's plenty of stuff. Um, if you want more on Horizon Burning Shores and to hear Janet's red hot take on it, uh, we're planning on doing a max spoilers whenever uh, she wraps it up. So that'll be in our bonus podcast feed and also on YouTube. So you can check that out there if you want even more Horizon talk. Uh, let's leave this world of AAA behind. Let's go to our happy place from Happy Gilmore, which is a reference to the question we answered before the show started, and it's available for backstage patch supporters. Uh, by talking about some indie stuff, Leo, this game we talked about before, I think you and Sarah played it. Uh, this sucker's out now in early access, and it's called Shadows of Doubt on Steam. Um, can you remind everybody what this cool game is? Uh, it is a fully procedurally generated city. And you solve murders within it. That's oh, pretty yeah. much what it is. It's a first-person Deus Ex-style experience. It's immersive simi for sure. A lot of stealthing, working around security systems. But all with this network of citizens, civilians that all know each other, have each other in address books, have jobs that they spend time at. I was escaping from one situation and I was like crawling through the vents, dropped into somebody's house... The door's locked from the inside, so you can use lockpicks to get out, or I was like, I'm going to try and search for a key instead. But I found this person's schedule, who was there, and they, it was like, they work at this place until 2.30, and I checked my watch, and it's 2.40, and I'm like, oh my god, they're coming home. And I have to, like, sprint out of the apartment before they get there. <laughs> Immersive sim, procedurally generated story moments like that. Story moments like that. Yeah, we talked about before, and we compared it to that idea of, like, oh, you know, creator of Deus Ex, uh, Warren Spector, said he wanted to make a really in-depth game about one city block and it's like oh this seems like that is the game of just what if you just took a small space but made everything really dynamic immersive interactable and then at the same time the twist here is then also if we made it procedural so you never really know what to expect um what what's your take i saw people saying miraculous but janky is that the conclusion at this point for early access it's an early access they have a six month uh target for it with updates throughout and the first time I played it, this release, I kind of bounced off because I had some jank. I, uh, things weren't, I don't know. I, I like got shot and I felt like it wasn't fair. I was like, they shouldn't just be shooting to kill on this. And, it, <laughs> and there's other jankiness of like calling the cops and they don't show up, but you can argue whether that's uh, janky or accurate. But I, <laughs> I tried it again this morning and I could not put it down. I had such an amazing time for like three hours straight of solving this murder. And what is so special about it is that you are picking up on these threads based on evidence from the crime scene, fingerprints, the murder weapon, if you're lucky, you know, or at least what kind of wound it is, which narrows it down to one of a couple types of guns or whatever. And you have to figure out what matters of that evidence and because it's so fully simulated every door in this whole city is openable and has a person who lives there or whatever oh my god there's so many in irrelevant threads of information that you could choose to pursue and i did i was like i at a certain point i was like oh i'm really onto something here and then after a few minutes i go i'm just in a random person's house <laughs> he seemed to have a nice life and not be involved in this at all and i had to double back but then you have these moments where you like okay i think this is relevant because there was a phone call i found that they made from here to the victim's house and i knock on the door and i talk to him and they're like and you have all these questions you can ask anybody in the game what's your name have you seen anything suspicious they're not giving up anything 
I'm like, okay, fine. End the conversation. Take out my fingerprint scanner. And as they're closing the door, I see on the inside of the door, on the handle, the fingerprint from the crime scene as it closes. And so I'm like, okay, but they're home. So now I have to figure out a way to get inside and find proof that like, find the murder weapon and find out their name and stuff. Cause you do almost a, uh, a return of the Obra Dinn style, like full name of the killer, how they did it. Yeah. You can arrest them. It's optional, but you can handcuff them before you resolve the case. And all the cases are procedurally generated too, Leo. Yeah. There's the, there's one that they recommend you start with, which is kind of, a softball one and they tell you possible leads to follow just as a way to guide you of like here's what information matters but besides that they are all procedurally generated and surprisingly different like poisoning stabbings all kinds of things i that is such a compelling idea of like you really want to solve this mystery well it's a complex world and you might be barking up the wrong tree most of the time just like a real detective but like it that's just a turn on for you there's no part of you that's like well this is impossible like it's just this huge world how am i supposed to figure out if i'm going in the right direction it can be frustrating for sure and that might have been part of why i bounced off it at first but when you make that first connection because there is a whole uh evidence board you have you can separate it by cases it is completely your work it does not like give you any kind of guidance in the main game you are like putting evidence putting a thumbprint on your evidence board, making a line specifically from that to the oh person my you God. think it is. And I had for my first case, a bunch of handwritten notes from witness testimony from the area of like, okay, they spotted this person in the street during this window of time, which is right before they got killed. And I like arranged them all in order to figure out the timeline that of where incredible. they were going. It is, and it, yeah, and that's what it is, is like when you do that kind of stuff, and you go through all the noise and you find what is actually who the guilty person is or whatever you've like, it's, it's a completely unique experience. It's like, there's, there's a unique sense of satisfaction in there's a million wrong answers to this. Right. And I found the one right one or, yeah. you know, one of a few right ones, if you're doing it a specific way or whatever. It's just so cool. The I games have gotten really to this, special. they've gotten to this point though, compared to something like Phoenix, right? Which we all love, but it's like, you know, we're going to nudge you the right direction. You just kind of explore a room thoroughly, put some pieces together and done. But to go for something that, that is this complex and still works as a game is crazy. Yeah. And there's even more to it than what we were talking about. There's like, <laughs> there's, there's Deus Ex style augments, which are so funny. They're like, Maybe there's crazy combat ones that make you better at jumping higher or whatever, but the only one I have, which I've gotten twice so I can upgrade it, is you can choose between photographing restaurant kitchens or bathrooms, business bathrooms. <laughs> okay, sicko. And it's like a side job you're taking on for the government where you take a picture of a... I chose bathrooms. You, any business I go in now, I go to the bathroom, I take a picture, and it gives me a hygiene rating of that bathroom. I get more money if it's cleaner, and that money is <laughs> just deposited in my account. That's just a little side job I have to make rent. Are you going to roll credits at some point, or are they just going to like keep giving you... Uh, missions and you'll just kind of play because it's fun to complete missions it's an interesting dystopian world and built into it is once you build enough social credit you can go retire to this place called the fields that's what they've set up for me and when you start a new game if you choose to generate your own city uh you can change a bunch of modifiers 
including whether you want the game length to be short, medium, or long. Oh, cool. And I think mm. that implies that there's some kind of retirement in the game right now. And so for That's crazy. early access, it seems fine to jump into, or is it one of those that people should wait for? Yeah, I, I'm, if you're really excited by it, I don't think there's any reason not to jump in right now. You'll you'll know there's maybe going to be some bugs. It crashed when I was saving, sure. but it still managed to save. Weird. Nothing too major so far. But I, yeah, I think the only question is whether the mysteries will keep paying out in interesting ways uh, as I put more hours into it. But the first few has been really, really special. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, Shadows of Doubt is the name of this thing from Coal Power Games. The publisher is Fireshine Games. I've never heard of either, but that's cool. Cool underdog pick. Um, Jacob, you said as I was closing the gate saying, this is what we're talking about on the podcast this week. No one else suggests anything. You said, but wait, but what of Blind Drive? Uh, what, is, what is Blind Drive? Oh, man. So so I, I tweeted a while ago just like, hey, what's like the most fun indie oh, yeah. that you played this year? And, and you suggested, you know, Pineapple on Pizza, which I have played. Um, but someone someone just said this game Blind Drive. And I kind of I went to the Steam page and it had uh, engaging like title design. And it said, you know, a game that you can play with your eyes closed. And so I thought, OK, that's worth you know, however, $5, whatever this costs. Um, and it is the the entire concept of the game. It almost feels like a Jackbox like party game. And included in that is like the voice acting because you've been kidnapped by someone or you're like doing a science experiment or something that you've been tricked into and you are driving the wrong way down a highway blindfolded. And yes, so the game yes. has no graphics other than like a little heads up display with like health. And the whole game is just listening to hear something coming on one side of you and then steering in the other direction. And like that's that is all you do for the whole game. But the the mileage, you know, pun intended that they get out of that is kind of incredible where the game's like an hour and a half long and like every two minutes they're going to be changing something where it's like oh now now the radio's on or like now you know there's this or now you have to like aim to hit specific cars and those cars <laughs> like make a different sound and so you you hear those and steer towards them but it's just like really i just like I actually played with my eyes closed because yeah, it was like cool. easier to have my eyes closed and like pay attention to it because it, I got to like focus on my hearing more. And just like that experience in itself, it was just kind of fun enough that I was like, I want to I want to talk about this thing. That's so cool. Yeah. Blind Drive. Did you ever play Papa Sangre? Somebody remember that game? It was another like audio yeah. only game or it was like a horror game and. There's just like oh, demons I know, hunting you. I know you. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But I didn't play it. It was maybe like 2013 or something. I'm trying to think of these other games that are just audio only that work that well. But Blind yeah, Drive. But it's like it's really it's like your hearing's better than you think, I think is kind of like huh. the fun part about it where like it gets really fast and it's like you you can do it. You know, it's like I had to retry a couple times, but like you can do this thing purely based on directional audio. That's cool. Uh, speaking of you can do it, uh, Leo, this game called Mr. Sun's Hatbox. I heard Jeff Gersman talking about it on his podcast. Oh. And it's just, he's like, ah, something, something. It's a little bit like Mother Base and Metal Gear Solid 5. It's like, oh, that's 
interesting because we were just comparing uh, Meet Your Maker to that entire concept. Um, okay, help me explain Mr. Sun's hatbox, Leo. My best attempt is elements of like Fultoning from Metal Gear Solid Five, and then the rest is kind of Rogue Legacy ish hints of like maybe a towerfall level of chaos XCOM base building what am i missing for the ingredients for this thing um i guess just that it's ultra minimalist right it's interesting what your mind might imagine hearing about a game like this but it <laughs> right. is like the gameplay is the smallest possible version of it it's super simple platforming jumping on people's heads using basic weapons but i think it serves it totally well cuz it's like these different characters with these different traits, which I love you. Each character has like four bad traits and one good one. <laughs> yeah, they, they can maybe like throw stuff super hard, but they uh, slip all the time. And when they have to snap someone's neck, they pass out from fear. <laughs> yeah, <or laughs> and like, it's like just these little ingredients that make these minimalist platforming runs completely different from each other. Yeah, it's a. I, I saw the pitch and I watched the trailer and I got the code and um, you said you were surprised that I just sent you the code directly, but it, it is a very Leo-ish game, right? That was a good read? For sure, yeah. Okay. Usually in the MinMax Slack, Hanson will post in game codes. Like, does Don't anybody tell him the address. <laughs> and that one you just sent to me and I knew why immediately. It's got the <laughs> character traits and it's got the Fultoning is so funny because there's a very little story and what is there is funny. I think it's great how little story they chose to have but the Fultoning the putting a parachute on somebody and they fly out they don't say one word about that it's just like yeah it was from metal gear solid 5 and it was fun we right. don't explain like what they're doing here at all to make this work and i'm so into it like full thing's so fun in metal gear solid 5 and mr sun's hat boxes i have so many people that have Fulton, like, I don't have enough money currently in my game, so, like, the brig, the holding cell, and, like, this XCOM-style ant farm base that you're building out with a bunch of different rooms and stuff, the brig is just, like, overflowing with people, but you need to put them in, like, this brainwashing pod to get them on your side, so there's just, like, this big line for the brainwashing pod. It's like, I need to get some more people in my queue, but there's this weird choke point because I'm out of money because I apparently am focusing too much just on kidnapping people and not achieving mission success here. No, you got to kidnap a lot of people. It's really fun how expendable they are. Like, it's a really good way to handle permadeath randomly yeah. generated characters as they are all little, like, popcorn guys that you don't really care about them dying, especially because maybe you already Fulton three new guys and then you just lost the one. And there's plenty of ways to, like, be successful within missions without doing absolutely everything. Right, but then you'll find, like, one guy that's like, oh... I apparently am really into this person. They all have like randomized names, like in a very kind of Metal Gear Solid kind of way. Like, oh, I think Priest. Oh, yeah. Smartphone Downs was the name of this guy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I just choose him because he has six health compared to everybody else having like four or five. And then it certainly, he be after a while, he becomes your boy uh, because like as you play more with him, you level up. And then for every level up, uh, every time you level up, it gets rid of one of your negative traits. Which is a really Sometimes, cool not way. Always, okay. But it is a great way to do it. Yeah, it's really satisfying. It's like, okay, I no longer have to worry about yeah, this idea of like every time I take a shot with a gun, I have butterfingers, so the gun goes flying out of my hand. Uh, and like the good traits, I'm still discovering new weird stuff, but my favorite person, he has a good trait where he just has cold hands. So every time he touches somebody, they just freeze in ice. So he can just yes. like run around the map and freeze everybody and just fault them real quick. It's so good. It is. But I got the one with that too. And it's so funny. Like I, 
you also sent this to me because it has local co-op permission. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it'll be a great game to play with my partner because she kind of bounced off Streets of Rogue. And I think they're similarly, uh, you can get overwhelmed really fast and the minimal graphics make it kind of hard to parse exactly what went wrong, why you went from full health to zero really fast. Right. An example of that is with that cold hands ability, I was like trying to jump past an enemy, but I touch them. So they turn into a block of ice and I land on top and I slip, which in this game sends you flying and knocks you out for a few seconds. And it rocketed me into an enemy who had a dynamite hat on <laughs> and I hit his hat and blew up. And, I, and at first I was frustrated and then I like put together what happened in that one nanosecond. I was like, you know, that's repeatable, systemic. That wasn't a bug at all. I'm not mad. I'm actually laughing. And I was. Yeah, it's funny because like I have somebody that I really like using in, in my crew, but then they also, they have the ability, so everything's at 1.5 speed. So it's even more chaotic when you get in there. It's like, okay, I have, am trying to wrap my mind around what's happening right now. But that's kind of the, the fun weirdness of this game. And they describe it as like a slapstick roguelike, yada, yada, which is a good way to put it because it's so interesting to have like these not wildly complex, but these interesting systems and traits and you're building out kind of the overall base here and building that up. But then the individual missions you're jumping into and it is like, you know, it has that chaotic energy of like a towerfall match or something. We're just jumping in his platforms, blah, 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 everything's crazy about it. You managed to kidnap this thing, you stole that item, okay, blah, and it's over. And it's it's so weird to have all these systems funneling you towards just like chaotic, fast gameplay in and out. It's just a weird dichotomy, I guess. Yeah, I think that's something that's really special about it. It's like it manages to feel really different and they give you new stuff all the time, new little toys to play with. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a cool like exercise in game design of like the yeah. most complicated systems on top of the most basic gameplay, I think makes for a really cool experience. And it's really great to dip in and out of. You can it, start it right up and it's my going to be my go to for a bit here of like when I literally have five minutes, you can get in and do a mission. Yeah, and I kind of like that. It seems like the levels are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And those kind of the bigger levels that'll focus more on stealth, it's nice just to be like, okay, let's take a beat here and actually care more about slowing down and fultoning more items because they also have the the contracts, which that's just a Hitman thing, right? Of like, <laughs> It's a Hitman word for sure. Okay, that's gonna... <laughs> uh, no, but you have like your daily contracts like, okay, uh, if you can go and get five construction helmets, you'll get... 300 gold stuff like that so that's an interesting way to incentivize you to not just focus on fultoning people but to go around and be like okay i need to get that rubber deck duck that's on this side of the level because that's my daily contract this time around and stuff like that it's giving me yeah. all the thrills of hitman without having to actually play hitman leo so that's why i'm all in on this thing i feel that for sure and there's a something there's like a support base you eventually build where you end up being able to call reinforcements on missions like you can call in a weapon you want or even switch characters mm. and that's specifically something i've wanted in hitman for so long is like call in an item i wish i brought right but it's cool how in a game like this it's like so much less development cost to like put in cool game-changing features when they're like so basic on a certain level yeah uh jeff i think you might like this one yeah, it's, it sounds interesting. I saw it's on Switch. So Yeah, uh, Mr. Great. Sun's Hatbox. It's on Switch and Steam. I know Dan Riker got it on Switch, and he was running into some bugs. Maybe he um, was getting uh, Jedi Survivored over on that end. It was just a bad draw, but uh, I might want to check out reviews for the Switch version in particular. But it's great on Steam Deck. Um, but yeah, Kenny Sun uh, is the developer for this thing from, you know, the titular Mr. Sun's Hatbox. So weird thing, but delightful. Um 
Leo, Sorry. thank you for uh, gracing us with your presence. Um, would you mind making room for some cool guy? Can I get on my soapbox about just like eight more games? Yeah, man. Whatever you want. Okay, well, I'll do it off podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Called his bluff. Yeah. <laughs> Did you clap yet, bro? Yeah. I didn't know. Like he clapped. He clapped. Could I get like one good clap, though? Hang on. Did that did that go through? I'm trying to look through the mists of time, through the fog of war, to see who it could be. Serial Vasquez, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Hey. Welcome. Um, sound off in the comments, y'all. If you don't know who Serial Vasquez is, I'm so curious to see newcomers who are well, like, who is this person? Is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> co-founded this gosh darn thing. Welcome back, Serial. Hello, everyone. Uh, you know, uh, if we're talking advanced wars, we gotta bring you in. Because, as you famously once said, back at Game Reformer, and Kyle will never let you live it down, uh, you proudly and now proclaim... you will never yep, let me live yep, it down. Yep, because Kyle infected me with it. Uh, you proclaim to the heavens that you think about Advance Wars on a daily basis. And this... Yeah. Well before... This is the doldrums of Advance Wars. <laughs> no this wasn't about like, oh, uh, there's a rumor of a remake coming. This was like five years ago. Serial was like, yeah, I think about Advance Wars. I knew, I knew back then it was going to happen. <laughs> I was like, just wait. Uh, and then they announced They were working it. on Project Steam. And Serial right. was like, I'm thinking I, about Advance Wars. You know what I was thinking about with Codename Steam recently? Is how oh, weird... It was, <laughs> I said it wrong. It's fine. No one can remember the name of that game. But it's weird that Nintendo... You know, it's like Codename Steam, same developer, uh, Intelligent Systems, those are strategy game for 3DS. And members like the hero of the team is Abraham Lincoln, and he was like featured in all the trailers. But then the weird part, there was also when they introduced Miis in Smash. Remember the trailer was like Abraham Lincoln. Like twice Nintendo has Somebody pushed there. marketing for a game starring Abraham Lincoln. It's yeah, just when will they like, pick another U.S. president? Yeah, <laughs> yeah those cowards. <laughs> I dare them. Lyndon Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a different president. That's good. Uh, but let's see. Uh, Serial, when you're on the MinMax show, uh, we are doing our most anticipated games of 2021. I believe you said Advance Wars, 1 plus 2 Reboot Camp. Um, <laughs> and then Nintendo said, not so fast, buddy. Here's a real-life war. But now they said that, it to me. Yeah. <laughs> they sent you a text. Uh, but now Advance Wars... One plus two reboot camp, the big remake of some of your favorite games of all time is out. Um, have you been playing a little bit of this or are you just still stuck on the originals? Uh, so I, I went back and beat the original two this year and then I've played like uh, some amount of the because they've they, we'll get into it, but they've remixed the campaign a little bit. So it's kind of hard to, to say where I'm at with the campaign, but it's kind of in that I've made the first branching choice. OK, let's say in Wait. the first campaign. They really, they remixed it. That's interesting because I, I hear from most people like, oh, this is pretty faithful overall. Like it's obviously so, a, a graphical redesign and stuff. But so they've I think most of the changes are pretty minor, uh, but they have like some pretty big differences, which is interesting. Um, so like the thing that I'm talking about is that the tutorial that I that I really like, uh, they've abridged it and kind of remixed it a little bit in that. So you get these three. Uh, early missions that are just like here's how do you here's how you play the game here's how you move the units and um here's what like some units do and then they i think three of the missions that used to be tutorial missions are now part of the campaign proper okay uh, so like the first mission in the campaign originally is called it's war and i think that's the third or fourth mission now right uh, right that okay yeah that's funky um, Sorry, I like that we have like I feel like you have the same kind of 
brain worms for this than I do for Resident Evil 4, where I'm like, <laughs> it's completely different. Oh, this yeah, house no, I, is in a different location. The, the, those brain worms, brain worms are there as well, but I also have them <laughs> for, for Advanced Wars. Yeah, I've been thinking about that Resident Evil remake as well. But uh, the Advanced Wars remake is is interesting because like there's one big element that I dislike about it but everything else seems like a pretty good improvement like it's it's like i see every every decision they made in terms of changing the game and i'm like that's that's specific and also really smart okay all right so this is way forward that developed this thing the big thing is is the visuals um i think like the character profiles and like that subtle animation i think that all looks awesome some of the 3d stuff i'm less on board for like just the way the troops run and stuff i'm like uh not not the prettiest that's basically where i'm at with it too like i i'm not gonna be as like nostalgic for any art style that isn't the original but like this art style i feel is pretty good uh I like the way they like the characters are, are constantly animating um, and they, they do the thing where they're like the voice acting, I feel should either not be in it or like be more thorough because it's always like mm. one uh, like, ah, dang. And like the line will be something about how they're disappointed. Right. So they'll do like the emotional voice acting of just like we're we have a couple of lines that are fully voiced, but everything else is like we're trying to convey the feeling that the character is giving. But is that what the exact uh, is that what Fire Emblem's still doing? Because it's the same developer. Is there, are they still just voicing kind of the first sentence of their their lines? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I haven't. I, I think I, it's I think like, to I think to some extent. Yeah, I don't think they're yeah. doing everything. Okay, I do uh, like. I, I think it's an improvement here that like you know you got your uh, super powered moves for the commanding officers, and I like hearing them yell the name of the moves. You know, like having the yeah. bad guy early on be like Blizzard as it takes over the entire yeah. map. I feel like that adds I, a lot to it. I, I think it was uh, in Jake Decker's review at GameSpot. He mentioned that like, oh, the art style really captures the Saturday morning cartoon vibe of the whole thing. And I hadn't thought about that series as that, but it totally works of like yep. now. Now, like it's almost like their version of the transformation sequence in like, you know, a, a super robot uh, like or Power Rangers show. It's like they have to do the whole tradition thing. Uh, like the the so like the three models, I'm not super into. It looks like it's kind of like trying to do the uh the Link's Awakening remake thing of like oh these could all be real like objects in the world like the, I like the mm. maps that it it looks like it's on a big table uh but like the actual 3D models I think about like would I buy actual figures of these if they made if they sold them yes you would and like I, I would be pretty selective I think like the medium tank I would buy uh for some of them <laughs> but like there are there are definitely ones that I don't think look super good and then the animation yeah it doesn't feel like they have like the explosions and stuff and like when enemies fire into other people it doesn't feel like it has enough oomph right to where like because i think part of the satisfaction of playing something like advanced wars is seeing like the the enemy units blow up right and it, it doesn't have as much like impact as it as it did in the original but i think other than that i'm i really like a lot of the changes they've made okay there's a lot of things that are weird about advanced wars if you never played the the game boy advance games uh it still holds true here where it, so th- all the maps are like on a little war table is the idea that these are all just war games or these are very real tell me what the advanced wars are this is a very real situation it just is is it like just symbolizing moving troops on a board but then real people in the real world are actually dying here there's there's not lives are on the line yeah real people are dying uh is the implication uh there's like in advanced wars 2 there's definitely like a if we don't stop these guys they're going to destroy the world uh so, but I, I don't think it was ever like in 
in world that they were playing the maps on a table. I think that's new for the remake, where it's, oh, like, it's really? literally on a wooden table. It's yeah. before it was just like sprites. Like, so they didn't really, they didn't have that aesthetic. Um, but I think it is kind of supposed to be figurative of, of like a wood tile because like every unit represents technically five units uh, in the, like when you're f in the combat screen, you see five units and those are all representative of like the unit's health. Right, but right. In the, in the in the tile view, you get, just like one like tank right so you're zooming fight, in to the tanks. real world yeah. when you have the little vignettes of them actually fighting each other yeah so like you'll see one building but it's that's supposed to represent a city yeah uh so like i i'm kind of i'm i'm not super in love with the outside but i think it works but uh they've made a lot of interesting like very small mechanical changes that i think are really uh interesting oh, what do you got um so like the biggest one is fog of war and in in the the original, the computer had like this huge advantage over you, but now they've basically inverted it, because okay, so like this is gonna get kind of I'm gonna try my best to make this as simple as possible. So fog of war, right? <laughs> yeah, got it. Uh, uh, you can't see the whole map. You can Wait, hold on, Ariel. Explain it to me like I haven't been thinking of Advance Wars every day for the last. <laughs> time. Right. Do you know what? fog of war is the thing where you can't see the entire area, right? And then right. like your units can only see a certain number of in Advance Wars tiles ahead of them. Hang on, Ariel. Can I right. cut you off with all due respect again? Um, <laughs> yeah, Jacob Geller. Um, yeah. you're a, you're a thinking man compared to every other person here. That's right. Okay, Fog of War. Is there any other example in the world of video games where a real-world thing, like a, a metaphorical concept, has mapped so well onto a gameplay mechanic that is now iconic for strategy games? I just think it's like a weird one-off that like, how, what are the odds that people... Are you giving Jacob like an assignment to think about I'm while Serial tells yeah. us Can you maybe about you Is it as simple as like real world physics of like, if an, if you throw an object in the air, it eventually falls no, down. No, like no, no. Of, no, because it's like, Thug War is like a, a metaphor for just the confusion of warfare and battle and stuff. But the idea of like the, well, the metaphor... Well, it's literal. Like if you're, in a, if you're fighting in a snowstorm, your visibility is like severely reduced, right? I, well, that's snow I of war. I have to admit that that now the only thing i can think about is when uh elon musk said that chess was too childish for him because it didn't have <laughs> fog of war or <laughs> <laughs> okay all right i guess that's the answer but is, is there anything so interesting tech there? trees i guess it's the other one tech trees, tech right. trees. oh hang on is there no tech trees came about from video games i don't know let me there, in the comments. there's like also also in turn-based strategy games there's like suppression which is also kind of a, but it's not a metaphor. But it's not a metaphor. The original it's not a metaphor. No. What? How about like what do you the want? triple jump? I guess that's, that's like a real thing in real life too. If if Eisenhower was writing about the metaphorical triple jumps that happened during World War II, I might be more and more triple jump person. industrial complex. <laughs> okay, sorry, Cyril. Can you finish your point? Will you all stop interrupting him? <laughs> So, okay, so in Fog of War, you, you can't see, like, units uh, ahead of you, right? Unless you, like, your your units happen to wander near them. Uh, the AI in the original game knew where all your units were. Like, uh, unless they were in, like, in forests or reefs. Huh. Uh, and even then, if it was, like, a flying unit, uh, it would be able to see it no matter where it was. Uh, so now the AIs like does respect those rules. They like in order to attack a unit in a forest, it has to park a unit basically right next to it so that it can see it by the rules and then attack it. So now it has to do that. So like you you're technically on an even playing field. The other thing they did is that they have a rewind turn button. 
Oh, so, yeah. So now, like, if you screw up a move or, like, or you realize, oh, I should have done something else instead, you can go back to the beginning of that turn. So now in Fog of War maps, uh, you can basically, like, use a turn to scout and say, like, I'm going to park all of my units in areas that would that are dangerous because, like, there could be units there. And if you see, like, oh, they have a tank in this in these forests because I just parked, like, a unit that would have gotten killed next to it, you just park it there, see that the tank is there, and then rewind your turn. So now you know that the tank is there. So that you're basically highly that, unethical, <laughs> and I don't know who would do that it, kind hey, of thing. I think it's a war so, crime. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's not in the it's part of the Geneva Convention. But uh, if you rewind it, now you can basically you're basically the CPU in that you know where all the units are because you can just scout and then rewind. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of an uh, an interesting like very specific change that it, I think people were pretty curious about how they would do that because it, like the AI in Advanced Wars is famously cheated, and so but those maps I imagine are designed around the fact that it knew all of that. Right. So I, so I think there are certain missions that are now just a lot easier. Um, and then the, the other thing they like, they made very, I don't think they changed like the balance of most of the units. Um, the COs are still like the same in that, like max, if you're playing uh, max is probably the best CEO in the campaign of the three that you can play as. Cause his like tanks just destroy everything really easily. And um, yeah, how old canonically is Max? Is he a 14 year old uh, that's commanding people to their death? No, that's Andy. Andy's oh, like, and, and Max is the, like the big guy in the, in the tank top. I see. Uh, okay. Which I now realize might be a pun, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, so, and they have the, the branching, uh, in the campaign and, oh, you can also replay missions, which is, is really good because like before there were some missions where, I think part of the joy of these games is doing them is playing them well, where like, oh, I, I could have done that in fewer turns or like I could have uh, taken fewer losses. Right. But if you beat a campaign, a campaign mission and we're just like, oh, well, I just like I got like a C on that, but I, I beat it. If you wanted to replay, it, you'd have to start the campaign over or just not save and reload. So now you can actually go back and replay a bunch of stuff. Um, but I think the, mo the most interesting change is the music. Ooh. Uh, because they've basically gone and redone covers of all like the, the classic CO theme, like the commanding officer themes. And I, I think this is probably the, my favorite part of the game. I think the only, like the biggest motivator for me to go back and play through these games again, uh, is to see like who, who, like all of the remixes for every different, uh, song. Oh, interesting. Because, because some of these are really good. I, I, the only one that I spoiled for myself is, uh, Adder from Advanced Wars 2, just because that's so that one is so far away because it's in the second game. Right, right. Uh, and that that makes slaps. Um, but like you'll Eagles theme, I didn't like super well in the original, but in the remake, uh, I think it's a lot better. So like seeing those though, like that part of the aesthetic, I think uh, they nailed. Yeah. So I'm really I'm really into that part of it. Uh, Kyle, what's your history with Advanced Wars? Uh, I tried the first one when it came out because there was such positivity around it. Yeah. Um, and I, I've never was continue to not be a like strategy guy really in any way. Uh, but this one, I did like the aesthetic of it and I do have a copy coming that I bought. Uh, oh, okay. Cause I do want to, I do want to play like at least, you know, the beginning of it and, and yeah. try it out again. Yeah, I remember playing it on my friend's Game Boy Advance and being like, okay. And then I feel like it's been 20 years of trying to convince myself, like, I can get new Advance Wars. It's it's cool. I really like it. And Will Wright said that he once played it every day 
you know, every time Suri would think about it, Will Wright picked it up and played it. And so I was like, yeah. oh, if Will Wright thinks it's Me the best game. Me mind melded on Advanced Wars. <laughs> and Did NFTs. Did talk about playing it while driving? Or am I, mis- am I remembering that? I don't that know. Some journalist at the time at 1UP or something was talking about how they figured out how to play it while driving. <laughs> God, I don't remember <laughs> that. I'm making that up. But it, so it's been so long of like every time I have an opportunity to buy it again, like in Wii U or whatever, it's like, okay, I think this time I'm actually getting into Advanced Wars. And I was never able to do it. And so this remake i was excited to jump in um and i just again i want to like it so much but i'm not a big tactics guy like i love XCOM and i loved uh sparks of hope the barry and rabbits game from last year not out of that it's like slim pickings and i just this it's just not clicking with me and it's so frustrating and i streamed it on twitch and everyone was trying to coach me on how to get better and it still was a struggle uh, and they did their best to try and steer me in the right direction and i'm just dying out there uh, but I want to like it, damn it. Uh, Jeff, um, what's your Advanced Wars hot take? Um, I I never played the originals. Just I feel like I've played games that have been inspired by them. Yeah. Um, I have I have thought about it every day since it's come out. Wow. So it, that's, only, that's only like 10 days or something like that. Um, but well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying it. At really? first, when I started, um, it was like, and I should have I should have realized it going into it, but it was like, oh, this is kind of a more classic, slower version of a tactics turn-based game. But but then they they just keep adding systems to it, and I think like the mission design is just so impressive. I, I think that's what I like the most is that each mission has a different feel to it, even though it's all kind of this core, you know, same systems. Like it's it's not just that they're adding new units, but like the the feel and the overall flow of what you're trying to do, the tactics that you need to, it's like, okay, this map, I gotta, I gotta rush that, you know, like I gotta rush that factory so that they don't get it so that they can't make more units. Like I gotta get there first. I gotta figure out how to do it. I'm probably going to take casualties when I do it like there. And there have just been like, there, there was one, there was one mission. I, I think it's like, I think it was mission 10 or something, but like, I ended up spending like two hours playing one stupid mission because wow. it, it was like it was supposed to be a rush to like the first person to get 12 cities wins. Mm, and it's yeah. like you have you have 11 cities on your side. They have 11 on theirs. They start with more captured. So they have an advantage there. But like but eventually one of you is going to have to get to the other side. There's a river that goes down the middle. You have to get to the other side and you're going to have to capture one of them. And I just got like a slow start to it. I didn't really know what I was doing in. And then, like, we just got into this war of attrition where it's like, I got I got my cities. I I blocked off the bridges. So, like, he couldn't really they couldn't really get over. But he had such an advantage to begin with that they were just like churning out, you know, tanks and infantry and stuff. And it's like I slowly like I didn't I didn't want to give up. And it was just there was like this satisfying slow buildup of I'm going to build artillery that can shoot range shots. And I'm just going to, like, build up such a massive army and then like one turn it's going to click and it's like i'm just going to throw everything over these bridges and like just, like i just need to capture one place and and it it took like 2 hours but it was so satisfying wow. in a way that i haven't had in a in a tactics game for so long like normally i like kind of i have come to like the into the breach style where it's like every turn you're going to take out half a dozen you know enemies and then they're going to give you a half dozen more and it's just kind of like this popcorn feel and this one is is much more tit for tat again you know like you're you're gonna like 
you're going to, you know, uh, focus on individual enemies and it's probably going to take you a couple turns and then you're going to, like, you really have to get into the weeds of building different units and stuff. But like, yeah, that, that hasn't always appealed to me in, in other games, but like, it's really clicking for me here and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. I, I will say that like that kind of mix of puzzle solving and almost like immersive sim creativity of like oh here are the rule here are the rules and but you can do things that like the designers didn't intend for like oh if you put a lander you you put a unit in a in an apc put the apc in a lander now you basically deposit three units and you use those to block off like an entire road instead of trying while you capture their headquarters on the other side of like a sea like a, a map where like they're uh, their headquarters is cut off by water or like you use a helicopter to fly around all of their units to capture their HQ, like that kind of mix of that. And then, Oh, like you have, you don't have any bases on this one. You can't build anything. So you have mm-hmm. to puzzle out exactly like, Oh, I need to funnel these tanks around all of this artillery. And I have, to, I have to get to my own HQ in five days. or he'll capture it. Right. Uh, yeah. And like, what's the f- most efficient way to do that? I think uh, in advanced Wars two, that definitely is a lot uh, more, like you, you can real you realize that that's what they've been doing, mm. and I think the Advance Wars Two campaign is probably overall better. Uh, so it's kind of a shame that they don't let you just pick and choose the campaigns at the beginning. You have to unlock the second one by beating the first one. Well, I, I think you can play it before you beat the first one. Oh, is it? I think because like I I haven't unlocked it, so I, I, that's what it, I guess. What it was I like still hiding it, but I think I had the option after you get the, through the tutorial in the first one that you can go okay. jump into that second one. But yeah, that that you also benefit from like in the first game you only play as three commanding officers of the Orange Star Army, uh, but in the second one you play as all every different nation trying to fight off the Black Hole Army because the game is called Black Hole Rising. Um, Black Hole and, like, Rising. They, so, so you good. so you get uh, different. So you get more COs of like, oh, now I I can use like grit the fact that his in uh, his artillery has like an extra has more range and power. Now I could use it to my advantage. And then there's like a mission where like you are the uh, uh, Fava, you know, you know, the mission I'm talking about with the 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 rockets where you're funneling the tanks uh, through the mountains and trying to avoid his artillery. Yeah. So you basically in the Advance Wars two you you play the other side of that where you are all of the mm. artillery units uh, trying cool. to trying to stop a bunch of tanks from getting to your base, um, and so like there's a there's a lot of like really cool missions in two that I I'm excited for you to get to because mm. I feel like two on the whole is more creative uh, in terms of what they allow cool. you to do like there's one mission that I think is super clever called Toy Box where uh, Lash one of the Black Hole CEOs is like this like mastermind, but she's also a sadist. So she captures uh, some like Olaf's hometown and she like remixes the entire town basically. So all the tiles are in like random places. So it's like a ro- there's like one square of road next to a forest and then it'll just be surrounded by water. So it looks like a glitched area. And it's just like completely random, but like they totally designed it as a place where you could fight. That's cool. And it's like, Olaf coming to terms with like, what did she do to my town? This is like the most horrific thing I've ever seen. She like dug it up and rearranged my hometown. Yeah. So like she like she moved like one like uh, plaza and just put it in the middle of a like industrial district and then moved two That's houses cool. from there into like the suburbs. I, I am in love with the idea that you love this, Jeff. Uh, I feel like remaking old games, if it's not Resident Evil 4, it's like how often does like a faithful remake of a 20 year old game click with somebody you know it's like eh, it's for the fans it's kind of nice but it's amazing that it's like oh no no this still holds I, up i guess i should have been a fan all these years yeah i, I never played them so yeah that's sweet yeah. i i oh. can i can see why i can see why 
people like Cyril have been fans for for so long. I think the gameplay holds up. His tattoos make sense now. Uh, <laughs> also, also, yeah, they have. There's the two other games that they haven't uh, intro- they haven't uh, remade here, which I'm excited. I'm hoping that this eventually sells well enough that they can do those games. Yeah, uh, it'd be a little harder to port them because there are like they are the DS games. So there's like certain maps where you're fighting on both screens and sending units back and forth. And uh, that's but, but I think the third dual strike is probably my favorite of the game. So I would want to see it on switch, I guess, but, uh, oh, and then is it, is it one days, and two of, is perfect. days of ruin? Is that the fourth one? Yeah. Days of ruin is the one where they, I'd be curious to see what the aesthetic for that one looks right. like. If they try to try to do more mature. Cause that one was basically like, Oh, fire emblem's getting pretty popular. I guess people seem to like fire emblem. So let's make our like, Let's make our kitty war game all grimdark uh, so to like mix results. Um, but I'd, I'd be, I would be curious if they did three and four, what the aesthetic for that game looks like. Right, right, right. Uh, that's Advanced Wars, everybody. Out on Switch, Advanced Wars Reboot Camp. Um, God, way forward. What a weird studio. They, are, they secretly might have the best perspective on the entire game industry. Like they've been around for so long. They've worked with every publisher. They've worked with this classic IP. Uh, it's a fountain of knowledge over there. Um, they published a game. They're publishing now too. So. Yeah, yeah, they're all over the place. Uh, Serial, do you know how this whole thing operates? I've been to ask you. All right, you start with a base, and then you yeah. have fun. You get, you get. Yeah. All right, so imagine Patreon. Like, okay, yeah. you build a headquarters that is your content, right? right? right and right, as right, you right. get more, you're like the patrons are like your soldiers, and so you go out and capture <laughs> um, more resources. Uh, and so they give you more money and then that allows you to build more content, i.e. tanks and other military weaponry. Is that? <laughs> yeah. And then you think about it every day. That's right. Serial Patreon, patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Find the tier that's right for you. Find the tier that's sustainable for you. And that's how we create a smaller, smarter, more sustainable games outlet on this end. So just go to that site. There's links everywhere for patreon.com slash minmax. Find the tier that's right for you. If you enjoy this type of content and special thanks to some of our biggest supporters miracle brand sheets cereal you're a sleeping guy i i sleep every day it's like advanced force honestly how are, how are your sheets <laughs> if we're being honest uh i washed them like two weeks ago but i don't know how i don't know how often you're supposed to wash them but they're they're okay yeah, you wash them because probably they're covered in gross bacteria but what if i told you that miracle brand sheets they use space age technology and so they prevent 99% of bacteria from formulating in your sheets. Isn't that something? That sounds better than what I have. All right, I (laughs) promise you Miracle Brand sheets are better than what you have. I, uh, look, my mattress, I got a lot of complaints about. One thing I never complain about, these Miracle Brand sheets that came in. I'm always delighted. They have a weird ability to regulate temperature. They are infused with NASA silver fabric inspiration, Jacob Geller. It's good enough for NASA, good enough for my bare butt, I like to say in bed, right? You do Wait, like to say that and tell bed? everyone that you sleep naked? <laughs> I don't, I, it's been years since I sleep, slept naked. Does anyone here sleep naked? Everyone, let what the record show. Everyone's everyone's you can't see it, but everyone was nodding aggressively. Uh, I will on my miracle sheet. That's right. You, I dare you not to. Miracle brand sheets, everybody. Check it out. You can go to trymiracle.com slash minmax to try miracle made sheets today. And with Mother's and Father's Day right around the corner, this is the perfect way, they say, to give someone you love the gift of better and more luxurious sleep. You can save over 40% and be sure to use our promo code minmax at check 
checkout to save even more and you get three free towels. In fact, Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash minmax and use the code minmax. Two ends, of course, to claim your free three piece towel set. Save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash minmax to treat yourself. And thank you to Miracle Max. Sorry, Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, also, shout out to, you remember these folks, Serial? Uh, the one, the only, I am 8-bit. Um, they just keep getting cooler and cooler since the last podcast you did, Serial. Uh, They've now ascended to the realm of, you can pre-order the vinyl soundtrack or the cassette soundtrack, the CD soundtrack for the biggest movie of the year, the Super Mario Brothers movie. They're releasing that full soundtrack. You can pre-order it now. And you can also get the seven inch single, uh, which features Peaches, the Jack Black song, of course, as Bowser, which I believe is consuming the internet. And then on the flip side, they have the Mario Brothers rap as well, which is, that's that's a pretty cool vinyl to own. But you can get the full soundtrack as well, which is so good in that movie. I cannot wait to get this thing. And you can pre-order it. I am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. Check out their store. Use the promo code April Showers, no space, for 10% off everything under $100. Help them out. Check out their online store. Help support them. Help support I am 8-Bit because they support MinMax in a big way by shipping it a prize each and every week to whoever is the best question submitted over there on Patreon. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, you can submit a question. We choose our favorite, and they win a fantabulous prize. Uh, this week, they're winning the vinyl soundtrack to Tell Me Why, thanks to iMateBit. So look alive, everybody. Serial, more than ever, you need to remember each and every question submitted. Are you ready? Let's find out. Hey, man, we're going to find out. Uh, Grizzled Gaming says, Hey, gang, uh, Ben, tell Serial that Grizzled Gaming says... Hello. He'll know what it means. I do know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Merriam-Webster defines hello. I don't really have a question, says Grizzled Gaming. I just wanted to say hey to Serial and tell him we miss him being on the show. Thank you. Yeah. What's it, hello to you too. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your life like these days, Serial? What's going on over there? Uh, doing a lot of writing. Secret writing. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's in every anything I work on, I can't really talk about, but it's... It's uh, it's been interesting to learn a lot and uh, feel like you are the dumbest person in a Zoom call by miles of like people are going to talk about all these technical details and think about the decisions that go into making a game that you never even thought of were uh, big questions and that now we have to talk about and feeling like, oh, all these people are so good at their job. OK, I know every time you're on, it's always a push and pull of what you can and can't talk about. But can you talk about the studio that you're writing a game for? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I am a game writer for Big Blue Sky Games. Right on. Uh, and, and what have they worked on before? Uh, they're a new studio, kind of. Ah. A, a lot of, like, ex-AAA talent uh, from, like, you know, large, like Blizzard and other kind of major studios that basically wanted to make a studio where uh, people didn't feel like they were being ground into the dust by their employer. Okay. And it's... Is it humbling, if you had to use a term to describe it so far? It's... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just, like, the idea that... Like everyone I work with is so gosh darn smart. It's it's ridiculous of how how like I will look at it like, oh, I've just been whipping up this giant spreadsheet of like experience curves and, you know, mm. like perk systems and like seeing like, oh, man, I I don't know any like the idea of making this seems so unfathomable to me. Yeah. Should we be offended, Jeff and Mikhail, that 
He said he's never worked with anybody as smart as his current coworkers. <laughs> and wait, hold on, no, wait I'm sure second. they're way smarter than we are. <laughs> Did you hear my question about fog of war? Come on, man. Uh, that's sweet. Um, is there a, any timeline in mind that you could potentially share for when we'd see something uh, from yesterday? Yeah, I, I don't know that I can okay. say anything okay. about when the game's out. But. Yeah, you know, go. Uh, Ray Sweat writes in. They say, dumb question here. Which video game console had the best boxes for their games? Now, Ray Sweat says it's got to be the clamshell boxes for the Genesis, right? I I do like I really it. like the Switch boxes. Really, honestly. I like the sort of the size of them, and I don't know. I just think they're I just think they're neat. I was gonna say Switch too, but it's kind of cheating because you don't have to put a disc in there, so yeah. they can make them small and cute. Well, I don't. I mean, I was I thinking liked... I was thinking of the Japanese GameCube, which is pretty similar to the Switch case size, and you know they squeeze a disc in there. I mean, I was going to say, I just liked opening up a full-size GameCube box to see that tiny little disc. <laughs> it was it was just kind of like a bit of comedy every time. <laughs> yeah, because they, they could, I mean, I feel like using like a, a more traditional CD cover would have felt like a sign of weakness. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like we want our boxes to be as big as the other guys's. And then sometimes you'd see two discs in there and you were like, man, I'm in for a treat. Hell yeah. And I know we're all nostalgic about PlayStation 1 and all that stuff, but like, Jewel cases. Can we all agree? Trash? Like, all, so yeah, many... Yeah, they always fall apart. Yeah, so many of my PS1 games are just like, they fall apart in my hands every time I open those cases. I don't think I was beating the hell out of them. I yeah. like big PC, like, cardboard boxes. Yeah, that's good. I like those. Yeah, if you like small, the Vita cases, I think, are actually pretty cute. Mm. They're almost, like, miniature. They feel like miniature game boxes of, like, oh, what if big object but tiny? <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, Rabid Lime writes in and says, Hey, everybody. Uh, what's your gaming white whale? Something you've tried to do countless times, but it always escapes you. I mod games a lot. According to Steam, I've spent almost 1,000 hours playing Skyrim, which means I probably spent five times more actually modding it. Just fixing the game and modernizing the controls and getting quality of life mods and whatnot, but I never actually play it. I never finish the main story. If I actually play the game without wanting to tweak or improve it, hell will probably freeze over. So what about you? Is there anything that's always been out of your reach? Uh, I mean, it, out of reach, maybe I, I guess that throws me off, but like I have tried to start the original Final Fantasy VII multiple times throughout the course of my life and have right. never been able to get through it. And then you forgot how far that you got because you actually, you did yeah. get out of Midgar, you just didn't remember it. Yeah, I loaded up my Vita, which is the furthest I ever got randomly after playing Remake, and I was like, and it, it loaded me right outside of Midgar, and I was like, oh, I guess that's where I stopped last time. <laughs> but that's the furthest I've ever gotten. I've never had the will to, to move much further than that. Wait. Kai, are you saying that when you play uh, Rebirth, it'll be the farthest you've ever been from Midgard? <laughs> if you take one, if you take one step in Rebirth, you'll be the farthest uh, you've ever been. Sora, we miss you. You yeah, need to come man. on the podcast every week. Yeah, why aren't you here every week? I don't get it. <laughs> oh, I've had, I've been busy. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I've my had one thing every week. <laughs> my white whale is uh, Pathologic Two. Uh, what? A game that. Everyone on Earth says, oh, my God, the most Jacob Geller game of all time. And I've I've tried to start it like three times. And it's like I both I, I find it very, uh, very intimidating. And also it's so complex that I feel like if I take even like two weeks off from playing it, it's like I should just start again because like I don't remember everything that's been going on here. Yeah. Um, and I uh, probably never beat it because it, I just it's too it's too steep of a wall for me to get over. What about mm. like, um, you know, for your next sword stream, 
a charity stream? What if it was just like this stream is just me streaming Pathological Two from yeah, the beginning? me just streaming like an intensely text-heavy, <laughs> introspective, <laughs> maddeningly uh, non-linear puzzle game. Right, right. Yeah, no. Uh, oh, I, okay. Well, we tried. <laughs> streaming twenty-four hours in a row is hard when I'm playing games that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, and you get to vary it up. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, Jeff, um, is it just Red Dead Redemption Two? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, content with everything. Serial, you would never guess this. Can you question. imagine that Jeffum still has not finished Red Dead Redemption 2? I know we all thought <laughs> he'd get to it by now. I didn't want Serial to come back and like everything's changed and the world is upside down. <laughs> we got to keep some things consistent for him. I get it, man. I get it. Thank you. It gives me great comfort to know that you have yet to beat. Yes. Have you, have you played it at all even? No, of course not, sir. Next question, Hanson. Let's go. He won't even stream it. He'll be like, oh, because then everyone will just want me to do the obvious thing and play it. <laughs> uh, you, remember, exactly you remember how much how he cried. It. Every Monday Every meeting, Jeff was a heap of tears. Uh, Phil McCrackup, <laughs> come on. Um, they say, hey, man, Max, what's the better appetizer? Bread or chips and salsa? Bread. I think chips and salsa. Chips and I'll salsa. Go, I'll go chips and salsa. Uh, I think it depends oh. on the salsa. If the salsa is bad, I don't want. I don't even want anything to do with the chips. It's like well, watery, we're about, like, so what's bad it? salsa. All right, then, then that, that's like saying, oh well, if the bread is moldy, then... <laughs> well, is it yeah. mi- middle of the road for both? Middle of the road for both. Okay, but are we talking about like best before you start eating food, like a- a- best appetizer. functional appetizer or like better food? Appetizer is really good. Ask. Like warm bread, I think I prefer over chips and salsa. Yeah, but like yeah. I think chips and salsa is better to eat before a meal because it doesn't fill me up as much. Yeah, it's like I would pick like a slice of cheesecake over those both in terms of like how much I like them as food. But like I don't want it before a meal. Yeah, it's it's also easier to lie to yourself with chips and salsa of how about how much you've had. Yeah, like, we we yeah. all shared that bowl. Like the fact that it's gone is. Primarily not my fault. That's exactly. They refilled right. the bowl four times, but we share it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think like I think bread and chips and salsa, and this is because I'm a boring human being. I think both of those are in my top five foods of all time. Like, just <laughs> I really wow. think it's a tough call it's here. The whitest thing you've ever said. <laughs> Water number one. <laughs> yeah, yogurt number two. Milk uh, if I'm celebrating. But look, chips and, <laughs> chips and salsa. I was just at a Mexican restaurant over the weekend. And I was like, just rejoicing with it. I was like, what? A, what other restaurant can you just walk into and they just give you a in in good ones unlimited unlimited free food? Yeah. You could it, you could just you could sit buffet? there. I could sit there and eat the chips and salsa the entire time. Yeah, and just drink like a coke yeah, and then leave. I, I wouldn't they, because you know that's unethical. But it like it doesn't hit if you have to order it. I do yes. think it is really part of the like you sit down and they put it on your table. Yes. Yep. It's it's ultimate service. Uh, Aaron Hurd says, by the way, pro tip, you go to Mexican restaurants, give them all the money you have. No, uh, no, <laughs> that's right. Say this is a stick up and then hand them your wallet. No, okay. but uh, this, this is stick you up. sticking me up. Yeah, this is a reverse stick up and you give them everything. No, no but stick. pro tip, you go to these Mexican restaurants, you just, you just gorge on these chips. You just become a maniac. Just eat as many as possible and then just split the entree with your partner. You'll be fine. You'll be more than full, everybody. Just it's you can have a great meal for super cheap. Anyways, hey, Aaron Hurd writes in. They said, "Be honest. If given the chance, would you downsize as shown in the 2017 movie starring Matt Damon?" Now, if you don't remember this Alexander Payne film, um, you can shrink yourself to like 
sub Barbie doll size, basically Lego guy size. I'm trying to remember somewhere around there, north of Lego. Um, But the idea is you do that and then you get to live in basically a mansion because it doesn't cost that much to to make a community. And also then you're saving the earth because you aren't consuming as much. Um, that's the premise. So the answer is no, Yeah, I, there's no world where I would ever do that. But I did, I, I wanted to talk about this question just to be on the record that yes. I think that movie is very good <laughs> and that it's an interesting, uh, just sort of, uh, t- like it's about like consumerism, right. And like capitalism. And I think it's in a really weird, interesting way that people just didn't get at the time. And I, I feel like, I feel like we'll come back around on that movie and we'll rediscover it. I really I like remember, that movie I remember 2017, everyone's like criticizing capitalism, and consumerism. What is this concept? They're all looking at each other in the theaters confused. Kyle, the, the problem might, might be that they saw it like I did, which is, on an on like an airplane monitor next to me and and so I, I was like kind of seeing it out of the corner of my eye but i never i didn't see the part and i never understood that they had been miniaturized like like the like the entire movie and then yeah. when i looked it up later to see like what was that movie that that person was watching it was like wait a minute they were small the whole time <laughs> That's so weird. i thought it was a movie where a normal guy was living in a normal sized house doing normal sized things that didn't seem interesting to me at all like a good american that's actually another thing i like i really like about that movie is like you do forget at a certain point yeah. and then there's like this punchline near the end where they sort of Easy. blow up a cave Oh, right and, it, right. and it's like this mm. real, you think it's going to be this big thing in this cave, like, you know, blows up, but it, it it's really tiny and it's funny. And you've like, it, it hits you like out of left field because you're like, oh, right. I forgot. They're like small. <laughs> yeah. Do they do they explain like electronics there? Like, do you remember? Do you get to have like a computer? Because like, it's hard to make a computer tiny. I don't they think show they would. do show them using some electronics and they're like a slightly oversized like it was hard for them to shrink them down <laughs> too much so like Matt, uh, Matt Damon's wearing like a headset that's just like a little too big oh, God, I, I, I don't know I like that kind of stuff I I, I just think that movie's underrated it 100 is underrated I know we talked about it before in the podcast because I love that movie too I saw it once I was like I think this movie rules I looked up reviews I was like it was just like the Mario movie you look up reviews and you're like what is everyone talking about how can you not like this movie um, downsizing better than the Mario movie. I'm gonna go out on a limb, but yeah. uh, I know <laughs> I'll, talk- I'll go out with you on that limb. It might snap uh, Mario under gets our weight. Big. But, yeah. That's right. Uh, but I remember Leo said he, he wanted to small check too, it out. Actually, <laughs> so Jake McCullough, if you ever want to do a max spoilers for downsizing with Leo and I and whoever else, like I would be super down for that because I think that movie is super good. Um, muffin crumbs. Uh, so yeah, we'd all shrink ourselves. So that's the answer, and no matter what. Uh, muffin crumbs writes in and says, "How about a game? I'm bringing this one back from a year, few years ago." I'm going to give you a word. Each person has to list a game that begins with that word. This keeps going until someone can't name one, and then they're eliminated. Last one standing wins the round. All right, ready? <clears throat> so, should we say... Wait, are we... Sorry, are we going in, like, an order or just yelling one out? Uh, Yeah, let's go in the order that you're looking, as if you're reading the Discord screen, which is going to be jumbled for people watching this, but you get the idea. It's also different for all of us, I think, so you'll have to just <laughs> tell us... Like all right, look, we'll order. get it. We'll get it. Um, how about how about instead of begins with the word, how about the word can be anywhere in the name of a game? I think we can go longer then. Does that sound good? The sucker. Sure. Are we doing sequels? Yeah, sure. Okay, just kick it off. All right, uh, Jacob Geller, Alien. What do you got? Uh, alien Isolation. Great. Serial. Take it. 
Oh, alien has to be in the yeah. Uh, alien. Oh, uh, that was a bad starter word. Alien hominid. Ooh, excellent, Kyle. What's my other one? See, now we're just listing games with the word alien in it. We're supposed to make like a trail, right? No, 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 no. Like no, one no, word no, leads, no, one no, title no, leads. No, leads no, 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 no. You weren't no. listening to muffin no. crumbs. You never listen to muffin crumbs. Uh, I do never listen to muffin crumbs. Okay, what'd you say? Alien hominid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you remember what it's like podcasting with this dude? It's a real good Christ. <laughs> I, I complained about it back then. He doesn't know the names of games that have the word alien in it. I don't know why I'm. St- I can't. I can't get out of. Uh, I can't get out Kyle's of the, out. The, the franchise. True folk. Like, true folk. Then say it. it then say a franchise yeah, thing. Right. I even <clears throat> then I'm like uh, alien space marines. No. Colonial Marines. This, what is it, Marines? No, get out of here. There's Kyle, a Marines game. You've been DQ'd you four your chair. Okay. I'm going to mute his mic. Aliens right. count as alien? Okay, yes, it's close enough. Kyle's out. All right, Jeff, what more do you got? Oh, God, I really Mine was, I was going to be alien colonial Marines. <laughs> sure, Jeff, that uh, counts. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go with Aliens Infestation on the DS. I reviewed that game. I couldn't think All of it. All right, I don't have any more. Serial, you got one? Uh, man, I feel like there's one that I I should have known, but yeah, I don't think I have any others. Jeffum? Alien versus Predator. Ooh, oh, very good. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure there's one. Oh, there's oh, there's definitely one. I think they've all been called it. Alien versus Predator. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Aliens: Dark Descent, coming soon in June. So Jeffum? Um, Alien Nation. Mm-hmm. Ooh, good. Ooh, good. I do remember that game. Look is that up. that? That was. It's like a Wii game, right? No. Who is the studio that made that? Was it Housemark? Oh man, it it is an actual game. Sweet. You're so <laughs> lucky. You're so lucky, Housemark. Then, um, what is that Aliens game that we played? It wasn't. Last it year? wasn't out. Game. You're out. Oh <laughs> damn it! What's that? Remember the game that no one remembers exists, where it's Aliens Left for Dead, and it's like, hey, this is surprisingly good. But then Fire team elite. Fire team elite. Which I, I didn't just have that in my head. I have a list of games. Okay. Since I'm out, I can cheat. Okay, so I was right, looking right. up games with the name Alien in them. Uh, yeah, congratulations. It's like they're all just part of the Alien franchise, which I yeah. feel like is boring. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeff, you won that That's one. Uh, how about this one then? Hot shots. If you if you want something spicier. Um, dark. Take it away, Jacob Geller. Uh, Amnesia the Dark Descent. Nice. Uh, uh, Dark Sector. Nice. I don't know why that's the first one. <laughs> it's a game. Kyle? Me, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Mm. Very good. Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark Zero. Oh, what a Dark Souls. Oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, just Dark Souls 2. <laughs> Is that... Yeah, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2, right? Dark Souls 3. Damn it. Um, Dark Void. Oh, that was the other one I was sitting on. The, the Darkness. Mm, judges. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Points for creativity. The Darkness 2. No points for creativity. <laughs> <laughs> Alone in the Dark 2. Okay. Dark Side Chronicles. Gotta say the full uh, title. Yeah, I got full yeah, title, I dude. Full title. Um, a few little words that come before it. Uh, yeah, it's um, 
it's you're out you're out Damn you're it. out <laughs> yeah get out of here get out of here uh darksiders uh how's that alone in the dark too but not alone in the dark <laughs> correct yeah, I was trying to right. okay off. correct yeah okay alone in the dark alone in the dark. Like to do 2008 <laughs> well you you skipped me and that was oh, gonna be no, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh man um uh, there's like a dark messiah game oh right yeah. heroes of might and might and heroes of might and magic dark messiah yeah take it know. dude you got it i feel like there are way more obvious games that i should be like immediately off top of my yeah. head but oh i got it i got it kyle oh well i guess i said alone in the dark 2008 now you can do another oh, okay okay no you're good one. you're good you're good um, now you're Darksiders good genesis okay very good uh dark stalkers Dark Siders 2. Serial? Uh, Dark Stalkers 2. Wait, okay. All right. So you said Dark Siders 2. <laughs> we said Dark Siders. We said Dark Siders. Dark Siders Genesis. Dark Siders 3. <laughs> uh, damn it. Um, Dark Stalkers The Resurrection? Serial? Is that what that's called? It's technically gotcha. not the title of the game. Bah, There's bah, no the bah, in it. Bah. It's just called... It's, it's, it's Darkstalker's Resurrection. I'll take myself out. <laughs> I I think I'm out. Uh, I think I'm also out. Jeff uh, Advance Wars? Dark Hole Rising? <laughs> it's Black Hole Rising, actually. It's, it's Black hole. hole. Hang on, so did, is anybody left in? <laughs> Did all you were all out? Unless uh, Jeff and uh, been, like alone in the dark three. Is that a game? Is that do I win? <laughs> is there, is that have a title? title? All right, Kyle Eternal takes Darkness it. Alone in the dark. Another one oh, we could have done. That's good. Oh, that's good. That's good. There is alone in the dark three. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> There's a game just called Dark. Oh, Dark really? Watch. That old. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep, I don't yep. know why I just now thought of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank darkest, you. Uh, darkest dungeon. No. Oh, damn it. Of course. All right. Keep them coming, everybody. Uh, just lay into the chat. Let us have it. Uh, Alex Vavoyos writes in and says, Hey, y'all. I'm having a blast playing Citizen Sleeper. It's really fun. So shout out to Jacob for plugging it so much. And by Jacob, they mean mm-hmm. Jacob Keller. Um, if as an adult, we all had lockers similar to grade school, what would be in your locker at this age? Jeff, I'm just a uh, bunch of prunes then, or? Yeah, prunes. <laughs> yeah. You would open yeah. it up and they'd all pour out comically. Yeah. Because um, I wouldn't even put them in. It would be your, your, your like gag locker of like, hey, check it out. I have a locker in my yeah. house. You should see what's in it. I got you, prunes. <laughs> I got you, prunes. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, certainly all books that I had in there would have the book cover on them. And they'd all be mm. crudely taped up. Did you all have to do that? Did you all is, have to is cover it, your books? You, would it be like the paper ones that you made out of like a paper yeah. bag or yep. like the stretchy mm-hmm. ones that kind of bent? The oh, the paper bag, bit. whatever the cheapest option was. Yeah, yeah, I'd have those in there. Um, Just a ton of USB-C cables. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. Mine would just be like 12 chargers. It would just, yeah. it would just be a bunch of chargers and like a hoodie. And that would that would probably be it. Yeah, it's would, USB cables, but the ones that work for the PS3, where it's like, why do I even have these anymore? Does anything take this weird right. plug anymore? All, all of my Guitar Hero and band and rock band stuff would be in there. Yeah. It would be a very large locker. Yeah, it would be a walk-in okay. locker. And a valuable locker. That stuff is yeah. expensive now. 
Yeah, yeah. where's that I, locker, I would, dude? I would, like, uh, with confidence, put all my handheld consoles in there, Switch and Steam Deck and everything, and just regret that decision at some point. Would you yeah. still use, the, like, the, the locks that you have to kind of... The, I forget what those are called, the ones where you have to move it around manually, or you have like a combination lock. Probably a combination lock. It's easier. Man, do you do you all still get stressed out about the idea of like, it was up to us just to remember that locker combo? I have yeah. nightmares. I have nightmares still, too! Where it's like, I can't remember the, I yeah. can't remember the combination. How is it possibly my responsibility? I'm scared to write it down anywhere, and every year it changes, and I just have to dial it? Ugh. I, uh, I think I'll put a note to remind myself somewhere near my locker. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, there's a funny thing about the Star Wars game. I was just like, they have audio logs, which is like, I can just hear the force walking around in this area coming through this object. At least that does make more sense than someone recording themselves talking and leaving a, a tape. It is true. Yeah, who would record themselves talking? Yaka. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Ryan McGinnis writes in and says, Howdy, Ben and the Carls. That's us. I was just re-listening to episode four of the MinMax show from back in November of 2019. I wanted to write in a question about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I needed a refresher on your thoughts on the first game. Uh, you all mention how it's lame that Cal Kestis has to remember his training in order to unlock powers throughout the game. He already knows how to do a wall run, but apparently forgot how. But, oh yeah, I can do a triple jump and move things with my mind. I remember now. Isn't going to cut it a second time. How do they approach this in the sequel? Um, you can do a lot of the abilities out of the gate. He's not forgetting. He doesn't get Metroided in the start, I guess, is the answer to your mm. question. So... There's nothing. But that... he is still unlocking, like, now I have more force power. <laughs> right. Oh, this will come in handy. Jump. Exactly. <laughs> um, Ryan McGinnis says, also on that episode in 2019, Ben, you said that Bob Barker will be dead any day now. <laughs> he is now 99 years old and still kicking it. He'll turn 100 on December 12th. Hell yeah, he will, Ryan. Hell yeah. Uh, Kyle... <laughs> Jacob, he will turn 100 on okay, December you're 12th. It. I'm not saying anything. We're going to celebrate it on this podcast. We're going to have a bonus episode. I would. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Studley says, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I'm sure that we can all agree that Star Wars has had some issues in the past. <laughs> what does that sentence mean? <laughs> but, that there's bad Star Wars I guess things? so. I guess so. Uh, Kyle says, oh, some of these are a bit nitpicky and some are quite legitimate. My gripe with Star Wars is one thing and one thing only. The title of Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back? Why not just call it The Empire Didn't Like What You Did in the Last Movie and Is Going to Attack You, attack you Now? Star Wars Imperial Retribution would be a better title. Am I nuts or does Empire Strikes Back suck as a name? I think I think you You're might be nuts. nuts. The suggested <laughs> name is terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. Look, Kyle, we love yeah. you. We love I your mean, support. I know we share a name here, but I mean, yeah, no. Empire Strikes Back is a great title. It's <laughs> They're like, mad. They're striking back. Man. You yeah. blew up their starship. This is the series that called one of their entries "Attack of the Clones." Like that kind of like cheekiness, like you know, <laughs> warriors on the march. Like that type of just kind of blunt mm -hmm. naming is so core to the DNA of Star Wars that Imperial Retribution is be. That's like what the dlc would be called that's the that's the <laughs> highest rated star wars game on steam <laughs> the <laughs> that's right uh sorry kyle. we wish we could be with you kyle studley but empire strikes back great film working on a limit saying that and uh that name is weird but it's good uh also it, what else do you need to know on a lot of limbs for films this episode <laughs> no new podcast limbs for films hank writes in says if you had a lightsaber 
or as George Lucas calls them, a laser sword, how quickly do you reckon you'd lop off an extremity? Immediately. Immediately. Like you'd turn it on the wrong way. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, what limb do I need the least? (laughs) (laughs) Just because like it would, it would like clean itself up and make a clean cut. So it's like if you had 127 hours it, like that's the best thing you could have. But you're saying even outside of that, just in the kitchen, you'd want to take something off? Just to see what it feels like. No. Uh, I would probably I not like, want to use it because I'd be so afraid of it. Yeah. In in real life, like the only way to use it would be like a gun, and gun safety is assume that it's loaded and is going to go off at any time. You know, it's like right. I would I would never have it pointed any way except like directly away from me and I would never use it when like anyone else was around it, w- it would be just like this is a shotgun so the holster for it would just be like this sideways protruding I cylinder put and... it in a holster the same oh, reason I, I wouldn't put a gun in a holster I don't want to shoot my dick off <laughs> alright I guess this guy's uptight they they should have they that should be in in the movies where it's like anytime someone takes it out be like whoa man what right watch where you're aiming that thing yeah they are oh, the most horrifying I thought you were thing. gonna say anytime someone has a holster they should just shoot <laughs> themselves oh that's an interesting <laughs> uh yeah I I don't think phew, I would need to be arm fully outstretched in the middle of the woods by myself but not too close to any trees uh in order to turn a lightsaber on I would turn it off and on real quick and then never touch it again. Yeah, I honestly, treating it like a, a chainsaw. It. Yeah, treating yeah. it like a chainsaw is probably the way to go. But like a thing I never use unless I absolutely. If this is the only way this gets done, <laughs> is using my lightsaber. Right. Cutting a tree down seems like a pretty good use of that. Like if a tree like falls on your house during a storm, and and then your partner is like, just use the lightsaber, just clean it up. It's like I don't want to. It's scary. I don't want to take out the lightsaber. <laughs> it uses all these crystals. I have to go to the crystal store to buy them whenever it runs out of crystal. Uh, you're probably just called the city. I don't know the number. <laughs> uh, okay, Stark writes in, and they say, with Live Alive coming out to PlayStation and PC this week, what are the biggest remaining games to not release outside of Japan? Is there anything besides Mother Three you especially want to receive a global release? LSD Dream Emulator. Excuse me? Sounds made up. What what is that? The PlayStation game LSD Dream Emulator. I don't know this game. I should know this game. Is Never this released outside Japan? Cool oh, is, game. is this from the same people that made Moon? No, wait a minute. Oh my god. This is a wild game. That, that that was on store shelves? Look, if you are interested in this, you'll hear more about it in like a month and a half. Uh, all right, me, but I'm interested in Jacob Geller's YouTube channel. Uh, my my game would be Jump Ultimate Stars, which is kind of a precursor to like the like Jump Force and like all of those arena fighters that have like Shonen Jump characters. But this was this one was cool because it was like Smash Brothers instead mm. of uh, garbage, uh, <laughs> and and so you had all these like you had all the all of your favorite manga characters circa 2000 and like uh, six. And like you jump right in the the point was to um, knock them off the screen. But like the cool thing was that on the bottom screen, you basically built like a manga page out of like famous panels from the manga. And so like your assists were like you had like 20 spaces and you could fill them up with different characters. So like, oh, if you want a playable character, it takes up four panels. Uh, If you want like a stronger version of that character, it could take up seven. But it's like an iconic image. Or if you just want an assist, you could have one that only takes up two panels. So you're like, you could, it was like a Smash Brothers character with like Marvel versus Capcom assists. Uh, and it was really cool. Uh, I, I imported that game and played a lot of it, like 
a lot for several weeks. Nice. Uh, and they never brought it to the U.S. That was that was before licensing was cool. Sturdy dogs. There's stuff like the first, like Rhythm Heaven, I suppose. That That's going to be mine, actually. I, w- I, I would like to see that on Switch. Like I, I bet it'll come. Advance. That seems like a perfect place for that. Rhythm yeah, I, I could see that within a couple of years. Um, Kyle, did you know... I was laying in bed this morning and I found a, a thing that you think you know everything about gaming, then this thing pops up. Do you know that they made a sequel to Wrecking Crew that's Japan only and it's called Wrecking Crew 98? No. Uh-uh. When did it come out? Uh, <laughs> it's a great question. It, well, the weird thing 2003. is... 2003. It, it came out like on the Super Nintendo. So if it's in 1998, yeah, it came out in 1998 on the Super Nintendo Japan. That not that weird? Uh, could have waited two years and had like Wrecking Crew 2000, which would have been cool. I know, but the weird thing is, like, looking at like the intro and the art for Wrecking Crew 98, um, it has Mario with his construction hat from Mario Maker. Like, that's where that came from. Mm, I had no idea, cool. but I really want to play it now. Uh, Hanson, yeah, I have a better answer. Yeah, uh, Tetris Grandmaster, oh. which they did just come out with a, a version of one of them on the Switch. Oh. I haven't played it yet. Interesting. There we go. Uh, all right. You know what time it is, dude. What is the best question? Question of the week. What's your favorite, Serial? I like the one where he did research to ask us a question about Star Wars. Okay. The one about Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, because he went and like, he listened <laughs> oh, to no, an no, old that, podcast that asked about oh, Empire oh, okay, Strikes okay. Back. Oh, so oh, the, the, the one about the lightsaber? Oh, okay. The, oh, the jumping mechanic, like the him remembering his own. Yeah, and also Bob Barker. I mean, Serial, you're the guest of honor. That makes sense. He went back and listened to episode four. That's worth something around these parts. Uh, so congratulations, episode four. We called it episode of New Hope. Uh, Ryan McGinnis, you just won the uh, Tell Me Why vinyl from Iron Mapet. See, Serial, efficient. That's how you do it, people. Let Serial remind right. you. You, you remove the democratic aspect of choosing the best question. And that's just right. That's the right. Whole process. Uh, now it's time for something that we like to call get a load of this. Can you guys all hear the music now? Oh yeah. We love it. Mm-hmm. We love the music. Um, <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot. Sorry. I don't know if you have anything in your chamber, but you got anything? Uh, I do. I did. I did remember that this was a part of the show. Thank God. Uh, so this is more of a congratulations to the Sega of America employees who've decided to unionize. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is super cool. And uh, Sega of America actually released this statement uh, that they said, like, hey, uh, some of you might believe in unionization. Some of you might not in the way that's <laughs> like, hey, maybe this could go either way. But I think they mentioned that, like, we will not retaliate uh, against employees based on whether they're in, they agree to unionize, which who knows how, like, rock solid that promises but it seems like sega of america is like not like being hostile so far but uh i wish them the best because yeah. i think more studios should unionize that's interesting too of like sega of america is even going along with it like can sega of japan just be like what are you doing over there Nah, not so much like the, the structure of sega is so bizarre that i'm curious to see how it all unfolds but links below yeah. for all this stuff uh jeff you got one yeah, get a load of this. Um, this is a well, it's a month old, so sue me. Um, but it's a it's a newish video from People Make Games uh, that's called "We Entered the World of Microsoft Excel Esports and Got Our Asses Beat." Yeah. Bit of a clickbait headline, but it makes sense um, once you watch it. But it, yeah, it's all about uh, the esport that has uh, popped up around being able to do things in Microsoft Excel. Uh, really well and it's it's like an entire event where you have 
30 minutes to answer like a hundred questions or something like that. But, but because you're automating a lot of stuff, but they kind of talk about the different types of different challenges that they had, because it used to be all like coming up with a fake financial model for a company. But, but since then they've, it's gotten like completely crazy. And there's been years where it's like a city built in Excel that you have to like move things around and Mm. all kinds of, uh, so it's a, it's one of their, you know, like patented deep dives on a really interesting and obscure topic. I'm sorry. I, I think somebody chose that before for a good lot of this, Jeff. I'm so you're, you're, you're out of the competition. I'm sorry. Um, uh, so you can come up with the name of a game that has the word <laughs> alien in it. <laughs> right now. Uh, Jacob, you got one? Uh, yeah, get a load of this. There was a, a question that I thumbed up that we didn't read, which is mm. fine, but it was asking, has Jacob watched any more oh, yeah. uh, Indian films? And the answer is yes. Uh, I, I watched one uh, that translates to fly about a fly trying to kill someone, uh, which is, or it's a guy who turns into a fly and then as the fly is trying to kill someone and a cricket movie called Lagan. Um, but in that spirit, there is a, a video on Vanity Fair called RRR director breaks down the Oscar winning Natu Natu scene, which is just SS Rajamuli talking about the musical dance number in RRR, which is the single best movie scene of last year. And it's just one of those like, you know, drawing on the scene, circling things. But it's like, hey, in this scene, we had to give them extra stretchy suspenders so they could like do the suspender (laughs) dance uh, appropriately. Uh, And it's just a very fun video. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Hey, get a load of this. Uh, There's an episode of Fresh Air on NPR recently, and it was with an author named David Gran, who wrote a new book, uh, called The Wager, and it's about a shipwreck and a mutiny that happened in the 1700s off the coast of Patagonia. But um, he <laughs> told this story, and this is like a well-documented thing. It's as a whole conundrum. It was a fascinating episode of Fresh Air, and I'm sure the book is great too. But he was talking about like, oh yeah, it, it was common back in the day, and it happened a couple times uh, on this voyage, which was really harrowing. Um, where if you're in the middle of a huge storm, you can't put the full sails down because it'll like get torn apart and the boat will tip and all this nonsense. So what we do is the captain would need just a little bit of control, so like a little bit of resistance. So you can't use a full sail. So they would have a sailor just climb up the mast in the middle of a storm and kind of like spread out a little bit and that would let them steer enough that they could navigate just with somebody embodying a sail and that at least one person on this voyage, because in the middle of a damn storm, just of course flew off into the ocean and then like his friends just had to look on the back of the boat and see this guy like swimming, trying to keep up. And they're like, well, gotta keep going. It's a storm and they just keep on rolling. And so I did not know that people used to be sails <laughs> during storms, but what a <laughs> nightmare existence. We should all be thankful that we live in 2023. And people say the internet's a nightmare. Try being a sail! Uh, let's see, Kyle, you got one? Uh, yeah, I got a lot of this. Uh, this just struck me as odd. Uh, Jacob shared uh, details about this game in the past called Iron Lung. Yeah. Where, right, you're like a prisoner in a blood sea in a side of a submarine and you can't see anything or it's kind of the basic Yeah, the game right? is just you're just in a metal box. Yeah. Like, that's the whole game. Yeah, so the YouTuber Markiplier is apparently starring and directing a horror film based on Iron Lung, based, again, on a script that he wrote, <laughs> which it's is so just, weird. like, weird. I don't know how, if this is just going to be, like, a short film that he's, like, making for his YouTube channel or if it's, like, a Hollywood movie or what, but it's just, like, it's a combination of, like, things I 
it's the Venn diagrams that I didn't expect to overlap, you know, like someone making a movie, Markiplier and Iron Lung, the weird indie horror game. It's, yeah, I mean, it's got big like Slender Man energy where it's just right. like, can we make like an Internet horror story into a full movie? Uh, yeah. My guess is no, but like good, <laughs> good for him for trying. Yeah, I I mean, I more maybe Markiplier is a great director. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, Jeff, are you going from the Discord? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, this one was from Liberty Bell Curve. Uh, it is a YouTube video from a channel called Ahoy that's called Four Bite Burger. Incredible video. Oh, my God. There you go. It, See, it's just yes. so good. Yeah, so so it's like a this person did like a really deep dive on what was like one of the first examples of pixel art. Um, and it, it is this picture of like a, a hamburger, basically. Um, but he... Like it doesn't it it didn't actually exist. Um, like the only picture that they have of it was like a picture someone took of the screen that was in a in an old magazine or something like that. And so he he went through like painstaking process to recreate it. Um, and one of the most interesting things is that the actual artist of the original picture commented on the video and and said like what an honor it was and that like basically he got all of the details right that he wow, like assumed fun. and kind of walked through um yeah as so he was it, was, it was a piece of like amiga art it was like drawn on an amiga with a monitor turned on its side oh yeah. weird all right yeah so lots of really interesting um details in there that yeah everyone should go watch cool links below for all this fun stuff um, hey, I think that's it for this episode of the MinMax Show. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching or listening. Uh, again, if you support us on Patreon, you can unlock the bonus podcast feed where all the deepest dives are in there, all of our interviews, Max spoilers, a ton of stuff, movie commentary tracks on, if you like Star Wars, we've done uh, the entire sequel trilogy as commentary tracks in there. Um, and then also Party Chat, which is our bonus podcast that airs each and every Monday this week. Haley McLean, the community manager, was on again with me for the full episode, which was fun. Um, we lit the Discord on fire uh, because I talked about why I don't like actors and don't trust actors, and apparently that was a divisive topic. Um, and so if you want to hear that discussion, you can jump in there. We speculated about the Smash Brothers movie. Uh, we talk about how they're gonna, how Gorilla's gonna handle Horizon 3. Uh, we talk about Pulse Man of the Genesis, Kyle, a game that we were presuming you liked. Uh, yeah, I w I've never played it, but like, I want to. I want to check it. I mean, it it did come out in America, right? Didn't it? I think so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, I never played it, but it's Game Freak, right? Yeah, it's Game Freak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it feels a little bit like Mega Man X. So I assume you'd play it at some point. Mm, but uh, yeah. but then also we tease some announcements that are coming in the future for MinMax on that episode of Party Chat as well. Next week we can talk a little bit more about one, and then there'll be another one that'll be yeah, I'd say a week or so, week and a half, two weeks after that. So expect some announcement for MinMax in May that will shake things up and be interesting. Um, so stay tuned for that in a good way um, but then also we should let everybody know that uh, there is a community meetup for MinMax people uh, we did one for our third anniversary which feels like not that long ago but time's flying so we're having a summer community meetup on Friday June 2nd at 8pm central if you want to be specific and it's in the Mall of America there's a place called the Wisdom Gaming Studios, kind of an esports place, Wisdom Gaming. 
And so it's on the fourth floor of the Mall of America. Um, so we're going to have a meetup there and play some Smash Brothers, have a light Smash Brothers competition. So Friday, June 2nd, 8 p.m. Central, you can join us there. Have a good time in the Mall of America. And you might be in town. You don't need to come in town just for this. But uh, this also overlaps with uh, Summer Games Done Quick which is happening in Minnesota as well in the Minneapolis area. So uh, if you're here for Summer Games Done Quick, we are going to have this meetup so you can meet us there if you're in town for that event anyway. We'd love to have you swing by and say hello. Uh, Sergio Vasquez, um, lovely to see you, man. Thanks for saying hello to us Thanks for once more. Me. Yeah, uh, anything you want to plug? Uh no, no, I guess not really. Uh, I I am working on a video essay, but I can't really uh, yeah. I don't know when it'll be out. But okay, soon. I'm actually hoping to beat Zelda, so I can just play Zelda when that comes out. Instead okay. of working on a video essay. Yeah, that sounds like a lot more fun. Sweet. Well, it's nice to see your face again. Does it feel um? Do you feel like it's uh, riding a bike, or is it weird jumping on a podcast again? Does it feel like you're still involved with MinMax? Uh, it's it's been fun. Just but like I feel like I've done zoom calls all week so it's like the idea of being on a zoom call is not necessarily like super novel at this point but yeah. uh it was fun to just like you know chew the fat i was i was gonna say the the one with a curse word in it but i decided to go with chew the fat yeah eat the fat um have you seen anything from minmax um since you left where you're like what the hell are they doing over there or do you feel like oh, it's about the same uh what do you mean by what the hell are they doing over there <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious, like, since leaving, do you ever have a moment of just seeing a tweet of, like, what are they doing for New Show Plus now? I will, I, I think yeah. recently I saw the one where it was, like, they're just taking walks now. Yeah, like, that's right. Ready. Yeah. Uh, which I actually, I did I did watch a little bit of it, but it was, like, interesting, like, that you guys are branching out and, like, you took the House Hunter stuff and just ran with it. I was just like, we could just, we could do whatever. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I guess we should plug the third episode of Walking Simulator Simulator. People voted for it. So it's Jacob Geller and Kelsey Lewin uh, going on two walks at the same time. Outrageous. We can check that out on our YouTube channel. Uh, well, Serial, nice to see you again, dude. Thanks for swinging by. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a fun time. For sure. And thank you to everybody who supports us at the Game Champion tier on Patreon. That's the $50 tier. They can choose any game under the sun. So, of course, Tokyo Game Life chose Kirby Tilt and Tumble. They're the champion of Kirby Tilt and Tumble. Clemens Zobel is the champion of Paper Mario. Studio Hoi Ho, a game developer themselves, they are declaring themselves the champion of Eco. Ooh, what do you think about that, mm, Jacob Geller? Nice. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm the champion of another Team Eco game. Interesting. Uh, All right. Logan Krauss is the champion of Dragon Age Origins. Jawar Hello is the champion of The Simpsons Hit and Run. PrettyGoodPrinting.com is the champion of... Oh, boy. This is going to be devastating for the game championship. PrettyGoodPrinting.com is the champion of Captain Crunch's Crunchling Adventure. Uh, Andra Silva is still the champion of Dark Cloud and Malcolm Holiday is the champion of of course Digimon Survive hell yeah alright that's it for this episode thank you so much everybody we'll see you next week be good have fun let's go